Okay, so it is the 100th episode of the Plant Cutting Podcast, and it's a swap cast with Zamboni Funk. And we're going to do the year ahead 2023. Yay. So, uh, Zamboni, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm glad to be here. I've been coming on the show for a little while now, and I'm like, I'm thrilled to be here each time. Yeah, it's awesome to have you back. It's always a pleasure. And so, would you like to tell the listeners about your podcast too, if they don't know about it? Sure, sure. Yeah. So my podcast is called What is the Time? It is a podcast about personal sovereignty, celestial timing and living where the getting is good. We get into hard stuff. We talk about fortune telling and divination quite a lot at being astrologers and whatnot. But then, you know, we end up talking about truth in ways that are, you know, sort of uncomfortable and you, you have to get into them from ways that are sort of like outside the normal path or whatever. And so it's it's been a really fun opportunity to sort of just dig in there and talk to people about how to come into a kind of sovereignty even when times are crazy and so it's been it's been a fun time and we do we do a quarterly forecast on there i do that with uh palace augustine and cameron allen who are my friends and who are brilliant astrologers and so we do that every quarter as well as not simply talking about astrology, but other stuff as well, sort of the wider realm of magic and herbalism and health and whatever it takes to be strong and sovereign in this world, in this moment. Hell yeah. Love it. Also want to plug your dailies over on the social medias, TikTok and Instagram and your weekly forecasts that pretty much get me through the day to day and the week. It's like, the main reason I have to like go over to social media <laughs> is to see what you have to say about the day. <laughs> sure, sure. That's, that's really nice to hear. Thank you for that. Yeah, I've been doing those. I've been doing dailies and weeklies for almost five years now and at wow. the spring equinox, so it'll be five years. So yeah. Congratulations. That's incredible. That's, time. that's pretty cool. Yeah, thank you. It's, I feel like a real forecaster at this point, you know? Yeah. You're doing it, man. I'd like to do a little plug too. I just started a show called Ask Isaac on the YouTubes. And if you're not following us on YouTube, it's Plant Cunning on, on YouTube. And it's Ask Isaac. It's a video advice column using horary techniques. So I'll, I like ask questions. The first one I did was, one of them was, do aliens live amongst us? I took that as a serious question, so I answered it. And some other fun questions and then the last one we had like how to quit how to how to quit smoking for them mm-hmm. will the weather be good in western pennsylvania for sweet potatoes so all sorts of questions oh we also did will the u.s collapse imminently and so i answered that question it's a yeah so you can check all that out on youtube under plant cunning it's called ask isaac and i love you, that you've been studying horary for a little while now yeah i took chris warnock's course and then I did a bunch of free readings. I just like posted it on, on this podcast and on Facebook and wherever and said I was doing free readings. So I got a lot of good um, practice. And the thing with Hori is that you got to just keep practicing. And so I, I feel like this show is a great way to do that, to be able to practice. But the other thing with Hori is that not a lot of people understand what it actually is or the right kinds of questions to ask for it or, uh, well, also like how, how good it can be and how precise it can be at answering questions so it's also a way to demonstrate and teach mm-hmm. the technique of horary so mm-hmm. uh i'm only done the second second show so far of it so but it's a lot of fun i'm really excited about it 
and submit your yes or no questions to plantgunning at gmail.com if you want to ask him a question that might be featured. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, cool. you know, we want on uh, the the second guest that I had on my show was mm -hmm. Gordon White. And we spent probably an hour talking about the metaphysics of the question and how important it is to ask a good question when wow. uh, do performing fortune telling and then sort of widening that out into living in a sovereign way in general, which is sort of what fortune telling is good for, right? You, it yeah. gives you information about the world that you're living in. And then with that information, you're better prepared to sort of live your life in a strong and sovereign way. And so... We, we talked a long time about how to ask a good question and what a good question am and that sort of thing. Yeah. And so, so yeah, I'm totally in deep as far as <laughs> trying to ask good questions and this kind of thing. Yeah, and, and that's the interesting thing too about it is when people ask you a question, getting into the actual mm -hmm. question, what they're actually saying, what the presuppositions behind the question are. Because, so one of the questions I got too was, will AI destroy the arts and humanities? Right, because that's a serious question for a lot of people right now who are artists or writers or work in, in academia. But look, looking at it from that perspective, they're not looking at like a tenth house career question. They're not looking at a fifth house uh, my art question. Even ninth house is like um, institute. Well, not institutions. University, <laughs> university yeah. higher education, <laughs> spirituality, and so on. But what they're actually asking was a death question. It's an eighth house question. So it was interesting to me to, to like, you've got to like parse out the question and see what they're actually asking. <laughs> the way that the question is asked will always color the response in all form. And that's true in an interview, like a podcast interview format as well, like any of that sort of stuff. You're always going to get, um, you know, the, the question that you ask will always color the way that the response comes. And so... If you want to get better information, then ask a better question. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. It's, it's very important. Yeah, I've definitely found that with just my own like tarot practice of pulling cards. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. you know, if I ask a dumb question, the deck will tell me. For sure. <laughs> like, For don't, sure. Don't ask that. <laughs> the problem that I run into a lot will, is, as an astrologer, people will ask me dumb questions and then I'll have to be like, ah. We, we have to like spend half the reading being like, okay, well, here's why this question sucks. <laughs> you know? We'll have to look at that uh, Gordon White episode that you had on to really dive into that more. Huh? Yeah, he really cares a lot about the metaphysics of the question. So he was really good to talk to about that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, questions are also a good place to keep asking questions, you know, a good platform for inquiry. You know, I, mm -hmm. inquiry is a big part of my spiritual practice. And it it's like you look at the question you ask and then you can deconstruct it look well why did i ask this what did this mean mm -hmm. you know and you trail it back breadcrumbs <laughs> for sure uh, yeah yeah. and finding good ways to ask questions on the regular is a really good way to step into your own power that's a large part of why i moved into yeah. the forecasting space in general not just because i wanted to uh get charts out of the way which i totally did you know what i mean i just needed yeah. to read a thousand charts or ten thousand specifically i wanted to read ten thousand charts if you're wondering i think i'm probably around six and a half right now so like still nice. not close to mastery like long way out from that but uh i'm just trying to get through them just keep swinging that bat right um yeah. but you know as as we do that then more and more i'm like okay so how can we 
what would be useful about forecasting? Why is this a necessary practice at all? And sort of uh, leaning into that has been a, has been strongly informative to my practice. And so I'm I'm glad that we still have the the space and the opportunity to do that here. Again, yeah. last year we did a um, okay. we did a 22 year ahead, yeah. and now we're going to do this one as well. And uh, I'm I'm glad to be here in this space. You know. Yeah. yeah. Before we dive into the 2023 20, year ahead, is there anything from last year that surprised you or that you were like, I was right on about that or any tidbits that you would like to reflect on before we go forward? Yeah, you know, in our pre-chat, we didn't talk about this part of it. And so yeah. I didn't think to go back and listen to what I had said. And so yeah. I've done so many forecasts. I've done, you know, maybe 360 forecasts in between now and then. Every once in a while, I take a day off. I try not to take any, um, mm -hmm. but it'll it'll happen. But I've done a lot of forecasts in between now and then. And, you know, like, uh, yeah, I don't even know what I said. So I can't. I know, yeah. I know. Yeah, it's. Well, I've got a couple things that stick in my mind just from our last uh, fall forecast. And one was, Mars going through Gemini. Um, if you look at it from a medical perspective, that looks like inflammation of the lungs. Mm -hmm. um, also potentially cuts on your hands and so on, cuts on your arms, mm -hmm. um, which I did actually get a lot of <laughs> the, the, over the, the fall. But the uh, respiratory infections are huge right now. There, We've got a booming season of cold and flu yeah. and other things. Um, mm -hmm. So that... Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, RSV has been oh. a big deal, you know, like here, yeah. I've heard a lot about children coming down with things and then the the sort of like, and there's more and more panic around the communicability of disease and uh, bringing children together and this kind of thing. And then like, uh, you know, people have been talking about like uh, children as a, as like tiny vectors of disease for a long time, but people, yeah. but if, you know, it, when I was a child, it felt more joking you know yeah. and no, i feel I, like yeah. now there's like genuine concern about that <laughs> and uh i think that that's a really good representation of mars and mars retrograde in gemini this kind of like yeah. review of pestilent winds you know like a <laughs> like how do we really feel about this you know mm -hmm. and the and there's a strong potential for fear or discomfort especially when there's a malefic around right yeah another thing that i thought about was that lunar eclipse on election day. And I, I think I was, I hedged my bets pretty, <laughs> you know, I didn't come right out with anything, but I think I, we talked about, you know, eclipses make, especially with Uranus there, make unexpected change. And usually in the midterms, there's a opposite wave. So like blue wave with the reds are in power and we were expecting, you know, you would expect a red wave but there was actually not a red wave. So that was kind of the unexpected thing. And it, I think it had a lot to do with, well, Venus right next to the sun, <laughs> you know, because of the women's rights votes, which was a really big issue for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's another thing. Yeah. Those are kind of the only things I can think about right now that, yeah. How was, how was uh, Jupiter going through uh, Pisces and Aries for you? Right. Uh, you know, uh, Jupiter and Aries, for me, you know, uh, the way that I described it on my quarterly forecast was like, 
um, because it moved forward and then got stopped and then had to move back. And that stop was next to Chiron and stuff. And so the way that I described it was like a ruined orgasm. Uh -huh. I was like, you like are if you're doing stuff and it feels like it's about an, uh never mind and so we're gonna go back and go back into pisces and we're not gonna do this airy stuff at all anymore and so like um, that yeah exactly exactly uh and that's like especially for aries which like wants to charge forward and like oh do the thing right and so we're gonna get that now with um so jupiter moved back into aries uh two days ago or something like this and so now jupiter is moving forward 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 super quickly as far as jupiter is concerned and is going to blaze right through aries and so i think that now we're going to see um more of that you know whatever was set up during that first period there we're going to see like that really trying to come to fruition really trying to pop off i would expect um the the capricorn uh or not capricorn but the cardinal placements in general capricorn cancer and libra as well as aries to sort of like get a boost um that maybe didn't all the way come to fruition during that time so um, I found Jupiter and Aries to be like kind of a little bit annoying that way. Then we moved yeah. back into Jupiter and Pisces. And so there's this Jupiter Neptune thing going on here. We've seen a wide proliferation of AI art and AI sort of stuff in general. And so we're getting these That's questions cool. like you were mentioning before, like, is this going to kill art and and that kind of thing? Or, you know, there's been a lot of concern about what AI means in the space of art and creativity. And um, and I think that that is like a little more perfect than anyone could have asked for. Yeah. Yeah. Like what even am intelligence, you know, yeah. the, the borders are not where you thought they were. Very confusing. Very confusing. Mm -hmm. I've seen some really good poetry and mm -hmm. we like to think of poetry as like this, you know, very romantic human thing. But you saw good. AI so one poetry? thing that oh, I would. Yeah. Yeah, good idea. If, good if I might offer a hot take here, yeah, I think it's very fashionable to come out and talk about how soulless machine art is. And so I can remember people talking about like dance music, talking about EDM and or house music and this kind of thing and talking about how computerized it is and this kind of thing where while you know people are going to shows and having these transcendent experiences and like you know all the things that one expects from music people are getting that from that music and so i don't necessarily know that more computers means less soul because you know when we think about art then part of an important part of what art is is an expression right uh, it's a communication of some sort but the thing is that communication requires both speaking and listening right yeah and yeah. so when you listen to a piece of music if you hear music in it then there's music there you know like if we think about the origins of music at some point we didn't have instruments as people we didn't have any you know we had voices and whatever but at some point in the process of human evolution somebody had to listen somebody had to hear maybe some drops dripping down onto the ground or the birds singing or something like this and they heard something special in that and so then that yeah. sort of inspired them to sing themselves or to hit some stuff and generate rhythms and this kind of thing right yeah. and it's because they heard it not because it was 
inherently musical, right? Because the, the mm. water dripping, or I've heard music in um, like a grandfather clock, like my brother has a grandfather clock and it doesn't, yeah. it, it doesn't, it's not super metronomic. It like, um, it's, it's like a little, it's got like a limp to it. And so because <laughs> it's on that one side, then I heard a song in it. And oh. so that was just because I listened to it, I heard it that way. And so coming back to AI, so if AI is smart enough to make some loops or some, some kind of musical situation happen, then you know there can still be music in there because it's still landing on ears, which are primed to hear music. The same way that eyes are primed to see faces. You look at the front of a car and you see a face in that car or something mm -hmm. like that, right? Mm -hmm. Like your head is re ready to go there. And that listening imagination is half of what art is. Yeah. Yeah, so like the interpretation of the art or of the music is really on the receiving end. So it's less, mm -hmm. maybe less important, um, you know, yeah. if it was made by an artificial intelligence or by a human being. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. So uh, we could probably get into 2023. Let's do it. Yeah, um, sure. I, I would like to say uh, your, your Capricorn ingress or the winter uh, or Q1, Q4 <laughs> um, uh -huh. was a great episode. I recently and did a quarterly forecast. You're talking about that, right? The quarterly yes, forecast. And um, <laughs> Cameron made the point that Aries is actually the beginning of the astrological year. Uh, so this, so the winter uh, would actually be Q4 rather than Q1. But it does dep depends on how you slice up, how you start the circle. Mm -hmm. um, it would be wildly confusing for us to call this one Q4. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, uh, but you also, you, you said something at the beginning about like why we do the forecasting. And mm -hmm. yeah, would do you think you just briefly talk about that really quickly? Or sure. Yeah, well, you know, in forecasting, we're sort of like trying to generate a map of what the the oncoming time period is going to be like right and the map is not the terrain but a map is super helpful to have if you're navigating terrain right um it can be especially if we're looking at astrology we're going to be looking at timing a lot and so you know uh, so for example i've been thinking about uh, this Mars retrograde a lot and getting a lot of readings relative to that Mars retrograde. And mm -hmm. so uh, Mars is currently still retrograde and will be until January 12th, right? And then from January 12th to March, late March, then uh, Mars is going to be in Gemini moving forward across the same area of Gemini as it was in before, right? And so looking at that time period, I would not so before January 12th, I would not try to launch an offensive. I would not try to yeah. move forward on something because action, the, the Mars principle of like doing shit is moving backwards right now. It's, that's in a space of review. So this is not the time to try to do that. And if you do try to move forward, you're likely to be frustrated. You're likely to find yeah. that shit's not working the way that you would like it to and whatever, whatever. Shit's not going according to plan. So this is a good time to review the plan. And then after January 12th, move forward on whatever it is you're trying to do, right? And so we can get that from doing a forecast. We can get yeah. this kind of information about when is the right time to move, what kinds of things are the right time to do at any particular time. You know, like 
if we want to, what I try to do with my forecasts is, you know, like see where the beat is or, because it's like, it's yeah. all rhythmic timing, right? It's rhythm cycles and timing, right? And so this is very much a, about a dance. And so if you want to dance with the cosmos, then you need to know where the beat is going to be. And then when you know where the beat is going to be, then you can put your booty in that spot and mm -hmm. ride the beat. Yes. Exactly. Okay. Awesome. So let's get into this uh, Capricorn ingress a little bit. Mm -hmm. This is this is the the winter quarter. Um, we've got the sun here just going into Capricorn. This is set for Washington, D.C., this chart, um, because that's the capital of the U.S. where both of us live. I know there are people in other parts of the world. And so, yeah, so the, the uh, ascendant is at one Cancer. So the moon is the ruler of this chart, and she's out here in, in Sagittarius, ruled by Jupiter, um, in the sixth house, which uh, brings to mind uh, issues with illnesses, diseases, and the workforce. You know, we've been seeing a lot of uh, people getting laid off. We had that that period of time where it was there there were not enough workers, but now there's a lot of tech workers getting laid off, and there's a lot of pestilent winds around. And if you're, I'm using Placidus here, so technically the sun would be in the sixth house too, but he'd be right on the cusp either way. And then we have Jupiter right there, also going right into Aries on the same day. He's at zero degrees Aries, the same day the sun is at zero degrees Capricorn. That's really interesting. Oh, and by the way, you know, if you're into um, ritual stuff, magic with, with astrology, uh, just because Jupiter has moved out of Pisces doesn't mean that you're out of luck in Aries, especially the first, I think it's the six degrees of Aries, maybe eight. I have to look at that again. But uh, Jupiter is in his terms or bounds, and he's also the nighttime complicity ruler. So you can still do some pretty nice Jupiter magic in Aries, but you'd probably want to wait until uh, January 12th when we're actually past that whenever uh, Mars, the ruler of Aries, goes direct. But I did some Jupiter and Aries stuff earlier this spring, and it was pretty potent. So I'm going to go ahead and recommend that if, if you can find some good, good dates. So Zamboni, what, what do you think about this, this Capricorn ingress and what's going on here? Sure. Well, one of the things that I think is really important to, to see with this chart here is that um, everyone is ruled by Saturn. Yeah. So it all comes back to a Saturn rulership. So you can be like, nah, uh, the moon is in Sagittarius. That's ruled by Jupiter. Okay, cool. Jupiter's in Aries ruled by Mars. Mars is in Gemini ruled by Mercury. Mercury is in Capricorn ruled by Saturn. Saturn's in Aquarius ruled by Saturn. And so mm -hmm. this comes back to this ultimate Saturn rulership. And, um, and so this is the beginning of the the wintertime quarter right and we're about to have a whole quarter of review you know so mars is still retrograde at this point and opposite the moon as well the moon's next aspect is in opposition to that mars in this chart so that you know uh, we are not done with the Mars thing here. We're not done with the review of the plan or whatever it is that Mars is uh, doing. You know, Mars retrograde has been involved in a bunch of frustrating, annoying, upsetting sort of stuff, right? And so we're still looking at that throughout this whole quarter here. Um, but then, so from 
from this point, then Mercury is going to station retrograde pretty soon. I think that station is at 24 degrees. We can see at this chart that Mercury is at 20 degrees. So we're getting close here, right? And so wow. Mercury is going to station retrograde in Capricorn in the same spot where Venus stationed retrograde last year. So we're going to be looking at some review there throughout that whole thing. And Capricorn generally is a sign that is associated with uh, tradition or uh, conservation in the old way and this kind of thing. So we're seeing that sort of stuff want to come up here a lot. And so we're really just, you know, for this whole period here for the last, um, you know, five or more years we've had um, Saturn in Capricorn just like being super Saturn and then Saturn in Aquarius being super Saturn some more right mm -hmm. and so this has been a very strong Saturn period and now to see that everyone in this chart and will be for the next three months or so is going to be ruled by Saturn that's going to go on until Mercury moves from Aquarius, Mercury is about to move backwards in Capricorn. We're not close to that point. So Cap it's going to move forward in Aquarius or forward in Capricorn in a few weeks, then move into Aquarius. And then from there, it's going to move into Pisces. At that point, we start getting some change in the rulership. But until that point in like two and a half months, it's going to be all Saturn all the time. And so we're still going to be sort of like uh, firmly nestled in the the sort of like order and way of old the way that it's been for the past few years which has been wildly transitional of course right we've seen yeah. a lot of major changes we can look back 2018 that's when um saturn was in capricorn that's also when uranus moved into taurus and so we've had uh, some major uranus and taurus stuff going on and that has been a major part of this saturn story as saturn moved into uh, Aquarius, then we've had the Saturn Uranus square. There's been a beef between Saturn, the organizing, managing principle, the one who wants to get into authority and the way that systems are managed and this kind of thing, versus in a square aspect to in a, a conflicting configuration with Uranus and Taurus, who wants to liberate, who wants to um, give you sudden and uh, unexpected changes in the way that things move, uh, breakups, breakdowns, breakthroughs, seeing that in the Taurus, in the in the fixed earth sign. So like breaking earthly structures, breaking the things that are sort of like uh, the, the thingness of things and sort of like changing our relationship to that and that being in some way resistant to the management system that ha that is described by Saturn in Aquarius, right? And so that from 2018 has been an important sort of like uh, turning point for us, a, a kind of a fulcrum, right? And so as we see this quarter here taking place that it's like um, still in this Saturn place. And as we move forward, we're going to see, uh, you know, the sun is going to move into Aquarius and we're going to have a full moon in Leo, which is going to be square to that Uranus and Taurus. And so that's going to bring back this whole Saturn Uranus debacle, right? And so as we're throughout this time period, we're very much going to be looking at the review of this situation and sort of you know, um, we have big things that are coming up. We are moving into a next period of history, but it's not time for that yet. It is currently time to look back and think about where we've been. Yeah, and so in that way, it really makes sense to think of this as a Q4 because this is sort of the mm -hmm. end of the last year, actually a couple of years. Um, mm -hmm. And 
things aren't going to really change in a big way until the end of March, uh, when we have Saturn moving into Pisces, uh, we have Pluto moving into Aquarius for the first time, and we have then the 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 ingress into the solar ingress into Aries. So with Saturn at the helm of the ship for the next few months, do you have any suggestions for how we can appease him or uh, work with him and herbs sure. maybe that would be associated with our homie Saturn? Sure, sure. Yeah, well, so currently it is deep winter time. It was negative five degrees Fahrenheit uh overnight last night so i am not in a mood to do saturn herbs that are gonna make me cold you know yeah. what i mean so that's one thing that we're gonna you know like sometimes you want to treat like with like and sometimes you want to treat like with contrast i'm in a mood to be warmed in this moment right and so that can be something to think about you know if there's super strong saturn stuff then um i have always found it helpful to nourish the the heart and the the creative spaces because Saturn is so, you know, Saturn will have you skipping lunch because you've got work to do and this kind of thing, right? And so finding ways to sort of like uh, be in that compassionate, nourishing body space, I think is a, a really good thing to do um, as far as like health practices are concerned and this kind of thing. Yeah, that's good advice. Um, as, we, as we think about Saturn as well, Saturn is really into habits and routines and management of mm -hmm. systems and this kind of thing right so you can mm -hmm. can you generate some better systems can you generate some better infrastructure you know we're moving into a time period when we're not gonna have this super strong uh limit setting consequences machine right, right. and yeah. so as we move into that period then we're gonna have it we're, it's gonna be less available to just make stuff happen in that way. And so now is a good time to handle that business, you know, like um, now's a really good time to, uh, you know, build your rain barrels so that you've got infrastructure to contain the rains when they want to come or build your irrigation ditches or whatever it is, right? Whatever kind of infrastructure you can build and that can be behavioral, that can be, uh, you know, getting your exercise together or, mm -hmm. um, you know, going to bed on time, you know, like we're, we're looking at uh, wintertime stuff here. So it's, um, it's dark a lot of the time. So what if you rather than sitting with bright screens what if you went to bed when it was dark outside you know these kinds of things and got that morning sunlight yeah go outside for a morning walk and set that routine for yourself mm -hmm, mm -hmm. also kind of thinking um thinking excel spreadsheets i'm thinking <laughs> like getting sure. my my like finances in order like a better system mm -hmm. for doing your taxes this is around the time to like really totally. be on it this year you know mm -hmm. yeah in that chart that you uh just had up with the cancer rising that's got um aquarius in the eighth and so uh that you know saturn and aquarius in the eighth is going to be really good for getting your accounting in order for getting your yeah, tax okay. strategies together this kind of thing so that's february or, or january um, this is well, this that, it's like that, the whole the whole time that ingress chart yeah it works for the whole quarter okay yeah. yeah 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 for this whole quarter for the whole time that um saturn is in aquarius for the rest of the time then that's going to be good time to do your saturn things um you know the way that austin Kopic, one of my uh, most important astrology teachers uh the way that he said it at the beginning of saturn in capricorn was 
um, you know, like when we think about Saturn, there's a lot of consequences and the, a lot of sort of like uh, delayed reactions and this kind of thing. And so we think about that as being like crime and punishment a lot because Saturn is a malefic. And so we, we can think about uh, the difficulties that come, like if you didn't do your homework, then that's gonna come and bite you in the ass, right? And that's a real thing. But also Saturn will deliver rewards for having done your homework, for having been diligent, you know what I mean? It's the ant versus the grasshopper, right? So the yes. ant who is diligent all summer comes away with resources for the whole winter right and there's reward mm -hmm. in that kind of lifestyle and so if you can get on the side of credit where credit is due right if you can do your homework if you can keep your nose to the grindstone handle your business during this time then when we don't have this strong saturn will be you will be set up you're already have your habits and routines in order you'll be ready to keep your boundaries your structures in place mm -hmm. as saturn sort of crumbles in the in the wider world around us yeah and so another thing for our practicing or aspiring astro mages and astro herbalists is speaking in terms of building your rain barrels um you know when when you have the sun in Aries and the sun in Leo. That's when you make your herbal preparations, your spagyrics, your herbal sachets, or your sun talismans, so that at this time in the winter, you have that vitality from the sun. And at the same time, right now, Saturn is at the strongest that he will be for many, many years, many, many mm. years. If you've been waiting to do a, a Saturn talisman or some Saturn magic, even just invoking Saturn mm -hmm. on his hour and his day, mm -hmm. now's the time to do it. Do it before the end of March, before he enters into Pisces. So then you, that's a way to to capture that Saturn energy for when you really need it. Uh, so that's just a, something to think about. Yeah. One thing, one thing I might say in regard to that, though, is, um, you know... We are at the end of Saturn in the height of his power, right? And so rushing to get Saturn now is it, not the way the Saturn operates. It is anti-Saturn, you know? yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, if you were like, like there's definitely, there are really good Saturn elections coming up right now, um, you know, cause Sat pretty soon Venus is gonna move into Aquarius. And so Saturn is gonna have the nighttime benefic just like hanging out, it's like just a, a perfect Saturn situation. You know what I mean? And you're gonna have daytime charts. The sun's still gonna be in Capricorn. So like once the sun comes up then you're, it's like, it's a perfect Saturn situation here in a lot of ways. So, so definitely there are good Saturn elections, but you know, like I would, I would hesitate to sometimes I would hesitate to make a Saturn talisman in the first place. I've made a Saturn, right, Saturn yeah. talisman before it's malefic. It'll want to fuck shit up sometimes, you know, you can get crazy authority figures like um, angry bosses and stuff like that can show up. They can um, sometimes Saturn magic will give you joint pain. Sometimes it'll make you grumpy. Sometimes it'll make you smelly like this kind of stuff. Right. Um, things that Jupiter doesn't do. Right. Like if you right. do bad Jupiter magic, then Jupiter's not going to fuck you up. If you do bad Saturn magic, you will hear about it. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. And so so this is like part of the reason why I'm like big on habits, routines. If you want to do Saturn magic during this time and you're and you're fresh, you're like not 
you're not in the habit of doing astro magic and this kind of thing, then I would start with regular Saturn prayers. Right. right. More yeah. than engraving a stone and yeah. like trying to do this big bang style magic, I would like lean into a daily regular kind of practice, maybe weekly, maybe on Saturdays you show up and and give Saturn a little something and feed the crows yeah. or whatever it is, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think good. that's that's very that's wise. Um, yeah, but I, and I also think, yeah, you should not be rushing Saturn stuff. But if you're ready, if you're ready to do something, um, now is the time. You're not going to have a chance like this again. But maybe um, it's just like honoring Saturn and saying thank you right. rather than making it telephone. Yeah, like just saying the Orphic hymn mm -hmm. to Saturn in the day and the hour of Saturn, lighting a candle mm -hmm. and, and asking for esoteric wisdom or discipline um, or just communing with him. Mm -hmm. Those are good things. And I like what you said about saying thank you to Saturn. People don't yeah. say thank you to Saturn very much, even though he's the one really growing people up, really giving you the toughness that it takes to live through an apocalypse and like this sort of stuff. You know what I mean? Like it's not easy Saturn. to get Saturn's <laughs> lessons, but then once you have them, you're much, much stronger. Saturn makes people very strong. And yeah. so, uh, you know, coming at those kind of challenges and obstacles with a heart of thanksgiving is a really good way to get into Saturn. Yeah. Austin Kopic said, uh, the least magic thing is the most magic thing. Uh, and I think that that's uh, really wise, you know, this sort of like show up every damn day. And yeah. in doing that, then you build something that's really worth building, but it doesn't look like it on the day to day. Yeah, yeah. that's a really good point. I like that a lot. Yeah. And working with your habits, that is, I, th I think, definitely inherently magical. I mean, that in a way, mm -hmm. I think that's the only... <laughs> maybe the only form of free will that we have <laughs> you know you make a good point <laughs> um so what's what's next so maybe we should talk about the uh mars stationing correct because that's the next the mm. next big thing happening in january yeah what's your take yeah. on that so mars has been retrograde from long time now uh mars has been in gemini since like september 2022 and then moving into, and then like had the, made it all the way to the end of Gemini. I think the station was at 28 degrees of Gemini, moved back for a long time, gonna station direct at eight degrees of Gemini on January 12th. So, you know, so we, you know, throughout this time, I've been talking a lot about uh, Mars. That's our action planet, irritation, rage, anger, uh, pushing forward, motivation, this kind of thing. And so Mars retrograde is a review of that. Right. So I've been thinking about review of the action plan or something like this, especially with Gemini. Uh, that's a Mercury sign. It, it has a lot to do with uh, intelligence or words or thoughts. And so planning shows up a lot with uh, Gemini and Virgo. And so reviewing the action plan, I think, is a, a important thing here. And, you know, one thing that's really interesting that I've been seeing in charts a lot recently is so this whatever Mars in Gemini is angular to, like if you have natal planets and mutable signs and Mars has been just like grinding over this stuff, then this is kind of setting us up for Saturn in Pisces. As Saturn moves into Pisces, then Saturn in Pisces is also gonna be angular to your mutable shit, right? And so this Mars in Gemini is like encouraging a review of the action plan or whatever, and then sort of like, uh, moving forward from there, then Saturn in Pisces is going to be like, okay, cool. So how did that plan go? Like, is it, um, 
Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I love that Terrence McKenna quote, um, if it's real, it can take the pressure, right? And so Saturn wants to make things real. It's, it wants, it puts pressure on stuff. It like adds weight to things. And then that is, it shows you if it's real, you know, if it's real, it can take the pressure. And so it, it'll be able to handle Saturn's burden or Saturn's weight on there. And so this is kind of like opening the Mars retrograde, I think is like opening the door to the Saturn in Pisces moment. Mm, yeah. As somebody with a, a big uh, a Sagittarius Gemini axis, yes, mm. my ascendant mm -hmm. is Sagittarius. I got a lot of planets and, you know, I've got planets in both. Uh, it's been interesting. <laughs> so I'm excited for that to uh, change. But then, yeah, then we've got that, that Pisces Saturn squaring all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So, hey, that's the way it goes. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, so, you know, July 12th come, or, or January 12th, rather, uh, comes, and then we start moving forward with yeah. the Mars thing, you know? And so we're turning back around. We're going forward again. So there's been a review of the action plan. Now it's time to try to put some of that action into place to try to actually do the thing in whatever way you can. It's important to remember throughout this time that, um, you know, the plan rarely survives first contact with the enemy. And so, you know, what? it's as you're doing your, you know, if you're watching this before the, uh, the end of the year or whatever, then we're going to be in position to be still doing the planning part of it. So make sure and build some contingencies into your plan as well. Yeah. And so do we have any predictions about this? It's going to station right there. What on Antares? Another big, sure. big red star. I think it's Antares. Um, so that's kind of a little, you know, suspect. Uh, but Mars is war. I mean, do, do, we, <laughs> do we have any sure. mundane predictions? Yeah, well, so, you know, if we're going to do, if we're going to look at the wartime stuff, then like um, there is, there's plenty of war to be had in, in the world right now, right? Um, you know, the sort of the most famous one is the Russia-Ukraine conflict. And, you know, um, we've watched that border move forward and back uh, a couple of times here throughout this process through since the time that, um, well, since it began, but then since the time that Mars moved into Gemini, we've seen um, the, the Russian border move west. And then we've seen that same border pushed back toward the east again. And that push back toward the east coincides perfectly with uh, Mars retrograde, right? And so this is the warrior being pushed back. And yeah. so that makes all the sense here. And so, you know, um, as we see Mars moving forward again, then we like, what are we going to see there? Are we going to see some forward motion? Like, hard to say exactly. You know, I, I don't often like to opine on such situ situations, but we've heard a lot about the increase of the draft and increase of the draft age and this kind of thing in that area of the world and this kind of stuff. We've heard about more and more money being pumped into that area of the world and this kind of thing. We've seen like a lot of sort of plans for escalated conflict. Yeah. Um, you know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be sending all these weapons if they weren't planning to shoot. And right. so <clears throat> I would think that, you know, some shooting is probably going to take place. Yeah. Do you think that warmongers, like people in charge have astrologers? they should um i would imagine that russia probably does R russia has a strong history mm -hmm. of incorporating the occult into their imperial practice mm -hmm. and yeah. so 
I would think that they probably do. I don't think the United States does. And I think it's that's to their detriment. Yeah. yeah. Well, it would make sense just from looking at the symbolic, looking at it symbolically that whatever happened over the last few months since Mars went retrograde will be reversed as Mars mm-hmm. goes back through that territory. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, reverse, reverse. Right. Right. Yeah. So um, I guess the next thing to do would be to get into this Saturn ingress. Okay. So this. Mm. So I don't know if, if people do this like the same way that you do a, a, a solar ingress uh, for the capital of the country. I'm just going to go ahead and, and cast a chart here for the exact moment that Saturn enters Pisces uh, for Washington, D.C. So then in this chart, and this is the, the Saturn ingress into, into Pisces, we've got four degrees of uh, Aris rising. And the north node is right there, right on the, on top of, of the ascendant. We've got a lot of stuff in here in, in the 11th and 12th. Um, moon down here in Virgo. Uh, but Yeah, that's a full about... moon in Virgo. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Uh-huh. It's and it's exactly closely squared to Mars in Gemini as well. Yeah. As well as being opposite to Mercury in Pisces, who rules Virgo and Gemini. So this looks deeply confusing, and um, it looks um, tense as well, you know, with a square to Mars, you know, um, a square to Mars in Mercury signs looks like um, anxiety, probably it looks like, um, you know, that it's, it's been this whole Mars retrograde has also been squared to Neptune. And so part of the irritation of the Mars thing has been around confusion, around not having good information, around um, n- perhaps knowing that your information sucks, but then not having access to better information and um, the frustration that that causes and this kind of thing. You know, um, what that's been a thing for me a lot recently in um, sort of trying to navigate the uh, informational landscape that we're in right now, sort of on the understanding that everyone is lying a little bit um, or a lot of it. And so it's sort of trying to parse out where, you know, like trying to like, compare all the different stories and get an idea of like what I think might be actually happening. And then sort of like the whole time aware that it's all a dream also it's, you know, it's been very difficult in that regard. And that has been frustrating to the Mars thing here, right? That continues to be frustrating to the Mars thing in this moment, as well as being frustrating to the moon thing as well, right? So like this moon is an extremely uncomfortable moon. This moon is not um, having fun. It's uh, in a T square, in a whole sign T square to malefics, we've got an opposition, a whole sign opposition to uh, Saturn in Pisces there, as well as an applying uh, square to Mars. It's this isn't hard on the Moon thing. It's hard to do the um, the things that it's the Moon likes to do. You know, like taking care of things and nurturing things and um, this sort of stuff. I see that like AC is having a whole moment in her body right now right on time right so like the moon (laughs) has to do with the body and this kind of thing there's like coughing and all of this stuff happening over there they had to mute the mic i don't even know what's happening but she looks very uncomfortable this is 
perfect timing, right? This is what we're looking at this kind of stuff as we move into this uh, this period of Saturn in, in Pisces, I feel like. And so also we've yeah. got Neptune, right? Yeah, Neptune's right there in Pisces. We've right. got the sun, we've got Mercury, and we've got Saturn right there, co-present with, with Neptune, who is the planet of confusion. And modern, so he rules or co-rules Pisces. So they're all in here in Pisces in this this sea of confusion. And so mm -hmm. deep sea. Deep sea. And what does this mean for Saturn? Sure. Well, so the way that I've been thinking about this is that so Saturn Saturn starts to lose grip a little bit um, toward the end of Saturn in Aquarius. So um, so during Saturn in Aquarius, we've got all this great Saturn. Venus is there. Um, you know, it, it's like in this whole sign sextile to Jupiter. It's in a trine to Mars. Like everything is like really working for the Saturn. And then as the sun gets closer and closer, then Saturn goes under the beams of the sun. And as that happens, then Saturn starts to lose some of its power and authority to do its thing. And so to my mind, this is like Saturn starting to lose grip a little bit, right? We can think about Saturn as the iron fist. It's like had a super tight grip on stuff for a long time. There's been widespread imprisonment and whatever throughout the world, right? And so there's been a super tight grip. And then kind of like in this invisible way that you don't necessarily see coming, then like it goes under the beams of the sun and Saturn just sort of starts to lose grip a little bit. And then as Saturn, so here um, in about, uh, uh, this is about the time that Saturn's gonna be sort of emerging from the beams of the sun and Saturn comes out from under the beams in Pisces. And then, you know, in this space where like now it's co-present with Neptune, now it's not ruling itself, but rather it's ruled by Jupiter who is then subject to other people's rule or other planets rule as well, right? See that stuff going on here. It looks to me like, you know, and Saturn's not in dignity for years and years at this point. So there's this sense of like, um, you know, moving away from the Saturnian authoritative rule and this kind of stuff, you know, but because that happens by way of invisibility, I think it's really interesting that the sun uh, like sort of overtakes it there for a little while. And so you, we don't necessarily see that Saturn stuff hasn't you know, like there's the the impression that it's still operational for a little bit here. And it, there, there's probably going to be kind of a a little bit of a, a realization that's going to have to take place. It's like, oh, shit, this is I thought these systems were working. They are not working. Yeah. Yeah. So this is really interesting to me um, about how, yeah, these systems of control are. <laughs> Um, having their sort of last gasp uh, in, in with as much power as they have had over the last however many mm -hmm. years. And, and but like you know, so there's still going to be a lot of power in the narrative right now, right? In this yeah. in this moment here, right? We can think about uh, all this Pisces stuff as being the dream, and um, or I think maybe a, a better way to describe that would be the dreaming right like the mm -hmm. the way that a, a narrative takes place or the way that um minds sort of congeal themselves around an idea of what reality is and um you know we see that mercury is here in gemini squared to neptune going to be like really 
like maybe even wanting to weaponize the the idea of reality or the dreaming that's mm -hmm. taking place here um all that sort of stuff you know that that's and in the era of air now you know like the this moment this 200 year moment where we've got jupiter saturn conjunctions that are going to be taking place in air and therefore constituting reality on the basis of air politics or air dynamics then we're going to be seeing uh, a strong move toward information and mind as the seat of power and so i think that that really um is strongly spoken to here although you know it looks a little more chaotic than like there's i think one of the things that like we can look in the united states and see how very coordinated the republicans are you know what i mean they have a single narrative that they like they do that thing and like for the most part they don't deviate from that right and so that makes them a cohesive block which makes them very powerful politically and um i feel like in this moment we sort of start to see the the dis, uh, disillusion of that uh, of that block, you know, and there there start to be it's a little bit like um, sat or um, dandelions coming up in the or weeds coming up in between the the concrete blocks, you mm -hmm. know, and just kind of like you can't really stop it, and it's kind of slow and tectonic in the way that it shifts, you know, like how mm -hmm. did like how did the how did the slab of concrete come to have a break down the middle of it you know what i mean it was it was because the earth shifted underneath it mm -hmm. yeah so, mm. so for me looking at this 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 pile up in pisces i guess it's not a, it's a very they're all very evenly spaced yeah. <laughs> um what, what i'm seeing is okay so say 10 years ago you know um for instance somebody like me in alternative circles uh going to occupy wall street or something like that um, it was very obvious that, you know, the government was lying, pharmaceutical companies are lying, uh, the media is lying, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Over the last four years or so, <laughs> since Saturn has been in his signs, that has shifted quite a bit for a lot of people who consider themselves um, alternative or uh, rebellious or in something like that. Um, it's kind of been interesting. But what I'm seeing with this Saturn coming into into Pisces is is yeah a a uh, the 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 disillusion dis yeah the d dissolution of this uh, power and of belief in 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 this power and, and these control mechanisms. Um, but at the mm -hmm. same time, the uh, sort of being lost in this sea of confusion where there are a lot of different narratives mm -hmm. and a lot of them are just as insane as <laughs> well, even more insane than like the official narrative. Mm -hmm. um, and that that's a, that's a very difficult <clears throat> spot to be in because people are going to be like, well, I don't trust the government anymore. Okay. So I'm going to trust Alex, Alex Jones or something like that, which is just, <laughs> you know, tr trading something that's not very good for something that's even worse. <laughs> Uh, anyway, that's what that's what I see happening right here, and this may be a direct uh, consequence of, for instance, what's happening with Mars in Gemini. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the the information is is definitely whack, and uh, you know, we we in this chart we can see that this Mars in Gemini is ruled by Mercury and Pisces, right? Mercury and Pisces 
is great for song and for melody and for um, you know poetry and creative expression and this kind of thing. It's not good for prosaic, clear understanding. You wouldn't want to use Mercury and Pisces to do your taxes, for example. Um, and so the way that you might want to use Mercury and Aquarius to do your taxes, right? Um, and so, and Mercury and Aquarius will be really good for doing your taxes this year. But um, as we, yeah, to, to see this here, it, it's just more and more confusing. And then, you know, and Mars is direct at this point. So it's like, okay, so your information sucks, but you still got to do shit. So what are you going to do? Right. Right. And who are you going to believe? What are you going to believe mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. when there are so many com competing narratives that are and many of them are just equally insane? It's part of the reason. Well, this is one of part of the reason why uh, I center personal sovereignty in my show, because mm -hmm. there are so many competing narratives and there's so much uh, there's so many people who uh, want your mind and your attention and this kind of thing. Uh, George Clinton said, mind your wants because somebody wants your mind. Oh, and so that's, that's such a good you, line there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the, if you can sort of like get clear in yourself, if you can have integrity in your own sense of self and your own sense of character and your values and your and have a wholeness in that, then you can let that be your North Star and let that guide you um, as you navigate the, the hellscape that this <laughs> describes here. Yeah, I, and one phrase that is that's very important in one of my spiritual uh, traditions is that the one of the goals is to become your own authority. You know, mm -hmm. you've got to become your own authority, and that's a very difficult process uh, because there are all these unconscious drives and uh, voices that you you haven't necessarily even looked at or questioned. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I would also yeah. like to note before we leave this chart is that in this chart of Saturn moving into Pisces, we have the North Node and Uranus right here mm -hmm. uh, on the ascendant um, in, the, in the first house. And to me, that that shows, you know, rebellion, uh, unrest. And that's going to be a, mm -hmm. a big component of, of Saturn moving into moving through Pisces is as of people also uh, challenging that that authority that they have seen uh, through. <laughs> kind of you know mm -hmm. they've seen the, the wizard of oz and he's just a little little old man <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i would think here also it's important i think to to remember that saturn and uranus have been uh inimical for a number of years now um, with saturn and aquarius square to uranus and taurus but now with saturn and pisces we've got a sextile and so these things are complementary to each other. The water yeah. feeds the yeah. earth, right? And so they're gonna they're now gonna work together in some kind of way. So um, if I were a Saturn type, if I were like in a position of management or authority, and I were seeing this kind of thing, then I would be encouraged to like never let a crisis go to waste. Uh. You know what I mean, <laughs> not like they ever do go to waste anyway. For <laughs> well, sure, sure. Yeah, but if I were like in a position to try to control or to try to, uh, you know, corral or, you know, uh, administer the energies that are around here, then, you know, this is sort of like, um, if you can't beat them, join them a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like, um, if you're Saturn and you're fighting against that Uranus, 
and you're fighting against the social unrest or the rebellion or whatever it is, and you find that you're losing grip and you're not able to do that as effective as if, as effectively as you maybe wanted to be, then how can you work together with that? Um, yeah. You know, and so we might, you know, this is there's there's good energy here for like uh, informants and this kind of thing as well, you know, uh, seeding false narratives into the revolution and this kind of thing. Yeah. And this is something you see a lot. If you can't beat them, co-opt them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Big time. Big time. <laughs> okay. So I guess we should then go into ingress here. Sure. So this is happening just a little bit later, um, March 20th. And we've, we've got the sun going into Aries. And he's... Mm -hmm. There's a lot of stuff going on here in in a it's almost a new moon. So we've got we've got Pisces, we've got Aries, we've got Taurus, everything's kind of up here. Mm -hmm. Um mm -hmm. we've got the uh, ascendant in Virgo and the ruler of the ascendant is uh Mercury right here, uh closely conjunct the sun, so he's combust. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he's in uh in Aries, which is pretty fiery. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So, yeah. What, what do you what do you have to say about this chart? Sure. So, um, it doesn't look like the information has improved. Uh, Mercury is under the beams of the sun. It's closely combust. This is Mercury is burnt to a crisp here. You know, it, it feels like um, speakers that have blown out because they they're blaring so loudly and this kind of thing. You know, mm -hmm. or um, I've heard about people um, like. They'll, they'll develop hearing loss at the exact frequency that their spouse's voice is at because so they just like can't hear that bullshit anymore. Um, so that's the sort of thing. That's, that's the kind of vibe that I get here with this Mercury who's ruling the ascendant, who's also ruling this Mars, who is in the midheaven sign. And, you know, so like this is, uh, you know, yeah. the, the information did not improve for sure. Um, you know, we are looking at the Aries ingress, which we think about as being springtime and as being like the beginning of things. Um, but it's also worth noting that uh, this is a balsamic moon here. So this uh -huh. is the the dark, dark moon. This is the end phase of the moon. And so, you know, like I, I still we still have Mars in Gemini here. The Mars is like um, almost at the degree of the end of its shadow here. Um, and so if we're looking at this particular moment as coloring the the quarter that's ahead, then um, we're still in a little bit of a review space. We still uh, don't quite know what's going on. We still are looking into the the old stuff here. You know, we we do have the, you know, new things taking place here. We've got Saturn in Pisces and Pluto is about four days from Aquarius at this point. And so there's there's stuff going on here for sure. Um, we can also see in this moment that uh, Venus is at four degrees of Taurus, which is on that north node, which is where the ascendant was at the in the last chart that we saw. So the and that was the the Saturn ingress. So, you know, so there's some stuff going on here for sure. But I, I you know, I don't feel like we're firmly into uh, newness or or a way a next way of thinking about things yet. You yeah. know, <laughs> one thing that I also notice with this chart is that everything's in the West. And yeah. So, right. you know, there it doesn't feel like possibility when there's stuff in the West. It it usually feels like 
things are sort of like set in their course. Things are already, you know, like when when it's a new day, when the sun has just come up and there's like all this possibility and it's like, okay, we can like, we can, I haven't fucked this one up yet, right? Um, whereas yeah. <laughs> in the West, it's like, ah, you know, like this one's kind of on the books already, you know? Done with that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good way of looking at things. So in general, when you see a lot of planets all in one little section, does that indicate confusion? Because there's a lot of competing energies happening? Mm, or is it more specifically not, this chart? Yeah, that's going to be more this chart. Um, you know, I, hmm, I don't know. Let's think about that for a second. The last time I can think about like a major, major pileup was in 2020. And it was everything in, it was like nine planets in Capricorn or some shit like that. Uh-huh. Um, and so was that time confusing? Yeah. <laughs> sort of. Yeah. Was it, was it not confusing? A lot of people will, will be like, yo, I saw this shit coming the whole time. Like, you know, <laughs> is that revisionist history? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I'll think about that. That's a good question. Okay. Let's talk Pluto. Hey, let's talk. Let's talk what's happening. Yeah. We got Pluto here. So now everything is in the east. This is just a few days later. Sure. Um, And Pluto is entering Aquarius. 10th house. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Pluto into Aquarius for sure. Yeah. What do you think about Pluto and Aquarius? I know you've been thinking about it. Okay, so um, so I I read recently, uh, and we actually talked with John Michael Greer about this on the show. Uh, he he put a book out called The Twilight of Pluto, and in it he argues that uh, Pluto was a planet while it was a planet, but now it's not a planet, and its influence is waning. Mm. And so it's the planet of you know um, the underworld of intense division of intensity, but also of overhype. So for instance, uh, nuclear power is a Plutonian thing. And that has been very overhyped. Um, a lot of other stuff in that time period. Uh, so what I, I see Pluto as still a power, but a power that is waning. Um, and if we look at Aquarius, we see Aquarius as, and I, I'm still influenced by like the Uranus association with, with Aquarius, where mm-hmm. Aquarius is, uh, is technology in a certain way. And the, it's also the airwaves. So I associate um, the internet with, uh, with Aquarius because, uh, you know, it's, it's the fixed air. That's kind of, to me, re- looks just like the internet. Um, and I'm seeing, uh, Pluto going into Aquarius as the beginning of the end of the internet. Um, mm. And I know a lot of people will be like, Hot what? Take. Hot take there. Um, <laughs> you know, so, uh, but also coming from where the way I see things, uh, I see the industrial civilization as collapsing slowly, just like the Roman civilization collapsed, because uh, we are dependent on cheap fossil fuels. And as those run out, uh, we will change. Things will definitely change. We won't have the energy that we've been used to because stuff like nuclear power is overhyped. Uh, stuff like <laughs> solar panels are overhyped. It, t- it takes actually a, a tremendous amount of carbon to make solar panels. 
um, and they don't produce as much energy as it would require for us to survive in the way that we have been in industrial civilization. So we also underestimate how much energy the internet takes to run. Um, and not just energy in terms of the server farms, but also the, the um, equipment and the infrastructure. Um, and so what I'm seeing in, in, in this is just like with, with any phenomenon, uh, there is a, with every cycle of growth, you know, we have the, the, with a plant, we have the growth of the vegetable growth of a, of a, of a perennial, and then it buds, and then it flowers, then it goes to seed. And that flowering going to seed, we can see that also with uh, astrology in the 17th century in England, right? At the same time that the elite classes were distancing themselves from astrology, people like William Lilly and Nicholas Culpepper were translating all of these Latin texts into the vernacular English and making it available to the common people of England. Um, and that made astrology popular, but uh, unpopular among the elite classes. But that also allowed astrology to survive uh, through the the endarkenment, <laughs> the enlightenment, where you know all of that stuff was was very uh, looked down upon. But it did survive. I mean, that's what, why we're still using tropical Western astrology right now. One of the reasons. Um, so what I see, Pluto. And, and Pluto is going to enter Aquarius and then leave and then enter and leave and so on. But it's going to take a very long time to fully go through Aquarius. It's going to be many years. And I, my prediction is by the end of Pluto and Aquarius, which will be a long time to you know, actually prove this, we're going to see an internet that's vastly different. It's going to, Pluto's going to go through, to, uh, divide everything, um, and... Uh, yeah we'll go back like we'll do mesh networks or something like that where it's well, like regional like node to node everybody on their rooftop has a node and we can connect the whole town that way and then spread it out that way perhaps or perhaps the government controls it all yeah, uh, whatever is left uh, who knows but mm -hmm. i also see a flowering right now too because like, there's never been more internet than right now you know with like the tiktoks and the working from home and the youtubes and everything and also mm -hmm. the uh free esoteric texts on archive.com you know like you've never been able to get your hands on more uh esoteric wisdom than right now ever mm -hmm. um so I, I see it's both a blossoming and a a seeding and a dying so that's my hot take which i know many will not like but also i will say that this take is influenced by john michael greer and his take on things mm -hmm. uh so that's where that's where i am that i'm gonna put myself out there and make a prediction um, mm -hmm. and we'll see in what, 17 years, <laughs> what, sure. what's happening. So anyway, yeah. so what's your take on it? Mm, well, let's see here. <clears throat> I don't think there's any arguing that the internet is going to be wildly different in 17 years than it is now. You know, um, I think everyone would agree with that. If we just look at the trend of the internet, if we look at 17 years ago, like shit was wildly different and we can see that it's on an exponential curve right so um things are things are very likely to change in a very big way as far as that's concerned i think one of the things that um is really important about the pluto ingress into aquarius is that um it is 
Zero Degrees of Aquarius has been such a touchstone point. Um, in 2020, we had a Mars-Saturn Aquari uh, conjunction there in Aquarius. That was a, a pretty big deal. Mars-Saturn was like sort of the story of um, COVID and, and the that whole like uh, narrative that took place in 2020 that was sort of described by Mars-Saturn conjunctions and uh, hard aspects. And um, that was opened by Mars-Saturn conjunction at zero degrees of Aquarius. Then later that year in late 2020, we had a Jupiter-Saturn conjunction at zero degrees of Aquarius. And that was sort of the turnover point from the 200 year period before, which was uh, the era of earth and moving into the 200, period, 200 year period that we are moving into or that we are firmly into at this point the era of air and that was at zero degrees of aquarius and so um i feel like that is a pretty we just uh, earlier this year we had a uh, mercury kazemi that was right at that point as well um and then we have so to see pluto moving into that space you know, and then and not only moving into that space, but like there's going to be a station there and we're going to get Pluto across this point a few times throughout this Pluto ingress into uh, Aquarius. Pluto is going to be moving back and forth between Aquarius and uh, Capricorn for two and a half years or something like this. And so just really hanging out on that spot and really looking deeply into that, you know, doing the underworld thing, doing the Pluto thing, um, you know. Pluto, I don't think there's any denying that Pluto is important to this moment in history. If we think about underworld dynamics, if we think about the corruption of systems, the, the corruption of bodies, um, of, you know, things that have been important for a long time, um, we're, we're absolutely seeing Pluto things coming into the fray here and that being historically significant. And so uh, we're definitely going to be seeing that sort of stuff taking place throughout Pluto and Aquarius. I'm not sure that, or throughout this moment, you know, um, I'm not sure that I am really ready to make strong claims about what Pluto and Aquarius is going to be. But in the context of this year, then we're going to see Pluto for a few months, not very long, right? Just for a couple of months but hanging out on that zero degrees of Aquarius. And so I wonder if some deathly dynamics might have to take place, you know, thinking back to the idea that um, the, you know, like the beginning of the year could be in the winter time, could be in the, the sort of like dead or dark time of the year, right? Like sort of coming into a new phase or a new era but that being largely described by degeneration and decomposition and this kind of thing. And then like, you know, in order for new things to thrive, then there, then first we have to sort of take what has, what already exists and break that down and corrupt yeah. that and destroy that and digest that. And I think that that's, you know, that's one of the, um, things that I continue to come back to at least for this quarter, but like throughout, I think the whole year here is like, there's such a strong energy of review, the review of Pluto and Capricorn, the review of Capricorn dynamics and the, the era of Saturn that we're coming out of and like all of this kind of stuff. I think that there's something strongly digestive 
that needs to take place as far as that is concerned. And, um, and I think that Pluto and Aquarius is likely to speak to that in some of those important touchstone historical ways. Yeah. As you were speaking, I was definitely getting the digestion vibe there at the end. And I was thinking, uh, yeah, that, that this whole quarter, it seems like it is sort of like a rest and digest and like, um, the review keeps coming up and it's still sort of more of the same cycle before we really see a, a shift. And so I'm thinking digestive herbs, you know, things that are good for mm -hmm. the liver and for the gallbladder and, you know, leasing bile, like dandelion root and yellow duck root and things like that. And maybe elimination. Some, like, the warming, the elimination, mm -hmm. and then like the warming, maybe a little bit of ginger um you know to keep things moving too mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. yeah because we are also in this moment of deep confusion and misunderstanding is like uh, such an important piece of this moment that we're in and so yeah. um you know finding ways to sort of clarify and and move move that sort of stuff because that you know if we think about sort of like getting stuck in the mud or something like that there's like strong stagnation energy there right yeah. and i think that that is likely to feel like what's going on here because it's like you know we're in this year ahead forecast right now and um we're you know like there's so much stuff that we're trying to move into yeah. but we can't quite do that yet we still mm -hmm. for months and months we still have to go back and look at this old bullshit again and mm -hmm. so there's something here that is a, that that i feel like resonates with stagnation okay, and so yeah. finding ways to move that is probably going to be a good thing to do on a both individual as well as a community kind of tip yeah, because if you're confused and you're, you know, feeling that that sort of stagnation, that stuckness, then it really you do have to like take the time and space to digest and to, you know, mm -hmm. really be your own authority and to find your own answers like from within, which means like quieting and looking within, you know. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking that this is a time that's going to be good for just like turning off all of the chatter and looking within yeah yeah and also the uh subtractive path you know if we're confused mm -hmm. and there's a lot of yeah. uh, of different voices going on and a lot of uncertainty in the same way that we can use limitative limitative herbs mm -hmm. to move stuff along we can mm -hmm. also take that maxim of walking away or stepping away mm -hmm. moving away from untruth mm -hmm. as a way to clear the mind clear and see our own voice uh it's we don't instead of looking for the one true voice we can eliminate the untrue voices mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i love that cool um so should we go to the uh the eclipse yeah let's keep it pushing so here this is the Aries eclipse and our first so one in this series first, yeah so this is really important because it's the the first in yeah in the series of of, of Aries and Libra um but mm -hmm. we also have the sun right here on 29 what 55 degrees 
So he's right the on the very, platform. very end of Aries. Yeah. It's it's kind of crazy how 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 almost exactly he is on the cusp between Aries and Taurus. And this is where this is where the the eclipse is happening. And so for the, the chart for the Washington DC, we have Sagittarius rising. And the ruler of Sagittarius is Jupiter here down in Aries also. So he's conjunct the sun. So what do you have to say about this eclipse and this eclipse cycle? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're, we're seeing an important shift here. For the past year and something, we've been doing uh, Scorpio and Taurus eclipses. So the North Node in Taurus and the South Node in Scorpio. So typically when we see an eclipse series, then we see things that tend to want to push toward the North Node in whatever direction. And it's important to remember that it's not like a smooth progression toward the North Node. There's typically a seesaw kind of situation that wants to take place here. There, there'll be uh, an eclipse on the one side, on the North Node side, and then a next eclipse on the South Node side, and then maybe another one. And then six months will take place, and then we'll get that same sort of vibe again, right? So things will globally push toward the North Node and away from the South Node, but there's a kind of like herky-jerky back and forth kind of vibe, right? And so that has been taking place for the, for the last year and something where we're moving toward the North Node in Taurus. So the North Node in Taurus has been present with Uranus. And so um, it's been sort of like uh, doing more of the Uranus and Taurus liberation, leaning into the thingness of things like um, what really matters in, in terms of bodies. And there's a there's a physical component to that. And, um, you know, we've been talking about social unrest and like the ability to feed one's family and this kind of thing. Right. This this sort of stuff has been going on for a long time, as well as South Node and Scorpio. You know, uh, that South Node in Scorpio is so purgative, right? Scorpio is strongly associated with digestive digestive stuff. You know, you get butt stuff with Scorpio all the time. That can be sexy. That can be bathroomy um, and all the things in between, um, you know, and there's, there's a surprising amount of overlap in what that is, right? Yeah. <laughs> and sort of like getting into the like honest and true nature of that i think is um but then like you know so like looking at all that that's been kind of the dynamic that we've been working with for a while here right and so and we're not quite done with that we can see that the north and the south node are still in scorpio and taurus in this moment and so we're uh in two weeks we're gonna have a next full moon lunar eclipse in scorpio after this uh new moon solar eclipse in aries that we're currently looking at right so we're not done yet so with that in mind there's some crossfade here right we're we're gonna get both of these songs playing at the same time maybe they're gonna like clash a little bit and that's just part of the vibe here but so this is our first eclipse in aries we're gonna get a new moon solar eclipse in aries on the North Node. So North Node wants to increase whatever it does. We can also see that Jupiter is here that wants to increase, expand, say yes, confirm whatever is going on here, right? So we're gonna see more of the Aries thing wanting to take place here. Now we can think about Aries things as being, so Mars is important and involved here. It's it's worth noting that Mars at this point is in Cancer and so uh, Mars in Cancer, this is our most uncomfortable Mars. This is where Mars uh, least likes to be. 
And so uh, we're seeing kind of an inability to do Mars things or to do Mars things kind of coherently. A lot of times with Mars and Cancer, it's like, fine, I'll do it if I feel like it, you know, um, you know, with the moon being associated with physical or emotional needs and this kind of thing. If your needs are not getting met, then fuck your ideas, right? Like, yeah. I, I'm not doing that shit because I don't even like it. I'm not even in a good mood. If mama ain't happy, ain't no one happy right? Yes. That's kind of what we, the, the vibes we get with Mars and Cancer. And that's ruling this eclipse, right? Mm-hmm. Eclipses are sort of uncomfortable to begin with. And we do like to see Jupiter nearby and this kind of thing. But like, you know, there's only so much that Jupiter is going to really be able to do here. So we're going to be looking at wanting to Aries things really hard, wanting to go hard with it. We can think about maybe the Emperor card in the Rider-Waite-Smith Tarot. We can think about like this kind of like authority figure who wants to build an empire or something like that, wants to go really hard. You know, with the sun, this is the exaltation of the sun as well. You know, like, I feel like Saturn has started to lose grip here. But there's a lot of like headstrong authority that didn't realize that yet. Ah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Uh, also, in, when we're talking about the head, Aries is the head mm-hmm. of the cosmic mm-hmm. cosmic person. Um, and if we're looking at in terms of medical astrology, um, we've got a massive amount of energy coming into that lower like mid middle of the head between mm-hmm. uh the top the top of head is is zero degrees aries um right here about the jaw like the, this area is the uh is the end of aries and then then taurus begins so right in there i mean that's that's a, that's a massive amount of energy coming in from the north node and then also jupiter is an expander he is the greater benefic but in medical astrology he can also bring in too much energy so like sure. he can add too much fat to stuff if you've got because jupiter rules fat and he also rules increase increasing so we have the north node and we have jupiter both flanking this eclipse and Mm -hmm. to me that you know i don't want to say strokes but that's a possibility uh as far as mundane medical astrology goes i'm you know obviously not a doctor not prescribing anything for anybody but just like looking at it symbolically Uh, that's kind of what i'm seeing sure yeah yeah yeah. and you know so like i it would be it would be silly to be like uh everyone who listens to this podcast is going to have a stroke right that doesn't make any sense at all right because people are Mm -hmm. not it it depends on your your personal body where you are on your health journey etc etc right but if we think about it on a mundane level you know and we're thinking about civilizations or we're thinking about societies and this kind of thing then what would it mean for uh, a body of people what would it mean for a government body to Mm -hmm. have a stroke you know Mm -hmm. what i mean to have this sort of like lapse in um in communicative abilities uh, a lack in motor function you know a a lapse in in the ability to uh, move resources from one area to the next um Mm -hmm. uh, an inability to move a particular part of the body for whatever reason this kind of thing Mm -hmm. right so um especially if we're thinking about saturn as being like a, a efficiency and management from uh an authoritative or 
uh, governmental perspective or this kind of thing, and Saturn has started to lose grip here in Pisces and this kind of thing, then um, we might see, you know, like a lapse in the ability of governments, which up to this point have been effective um, in being effective. They might not be as effective as they had been in the past. Yeah, I think that's a really uh, good take on this. Yeah. And it also, to me, it's it's setting stuff up like this. Saturn going into Pisces, this this uh, eclipse and the set of eclipses, like we're setting ourselves up for <laughs> what's happening in 2024 and 2025 and so on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and this I is the first one. Right. So we're not we're we're not there yet. We're not okay. in. You know, the, this is a, just the first little glimpse of it, and the no, the the nodes aren't even haven't even shifted over into the signs yet, and this kind of thing, right? So this, and it's important to remember as well that eclipses take about eighteen months to sort of like the the arc of the narrative takes that much time, and so mm -hmm. this is the very this is day one of that yeah. eighteen month situation. So yeah. we just get the very beginning of what we've got here. And in a way, this is the last Taurus solar eclipse, as well as the first Aries solar eclipse. Sure. Because the North Node still is in Taurus. And yeah, and the, the moon at this point is like, I don't know, less than an hour away from Taurus. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm definitely on, on team, like cusps aren't real, but then, you know, also neither is time. So... <laughs> yeah, well, the way it I think slides. about it, that, that's why I like yeah. orbs, right? I mean, like, sure. like the area around the sun and the moon right now is going to extend into both signs. Sure, You're, you know, yeah, true. We can have a conjunction that is between signs in in Western astrology. I know in in other systems of astrology that doesn't happen, but to me, it makes sense because we're looking at these planets and we're and we're seeing a, a radius, a, an aura around them. Mm -hmm. and and this 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 uh sequence it straddles the signs you know because you have the jupiter is still mm -hmm. conjunct the moon and the sun and the north node is conjunct both of them too and it's it's really straddling and you've got this uh chiron which i don't really ever talk about but he's right there on the ic that's kind of interesting too yeah it looks uncomfortable <laughs> yeah um so Let's Nobody in this chart really looks comfortable to my eye. Yeah. 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 Okay. So we've got that solar eclipse. <laughs> and then there's another lunar eclipse in May. Um, that's a, that is back on that. Uh, it's at 14 degrees uh, Scorpio mm -hmm. and Taurus. So it's another one Which of those. Is yeah, and that 14 degrees is very close to the 16 degrees that we had. We had a big lunar eclipse at 16 degrees of Taurus, which was closely conjunct Uranus. And so, and then we had um, in January or Fe February when we've got the uh, sun in Aquarius, then we've got the uh, full moon in Leo, which is at 16 degrees of Leo, which is going to spark all that stuff. And so then this uh, lunar eclipse in scorpio at 14 degrees it's going to hit all that same stuff it's going to want to do all that stuff again we're going to feel all those feels all those vibes um everything about that uranus uranus and taurus that's that full moon is going to be opposite to that uranus we're going to be 
Like all that stuff is likely to come up here another time. We are not done with that story yet. Right. So that's important to note. Mm. Um, and then I guess let's go, let's get into the, uh, the summer now. So this is the cancer ingress. This is the summer quarter for those of us in the Northern hemisphere. June 21st. Mm. Wednesday, June 21st at 10.58 a.m. for Washington, D.C. And so for this chart, we have uh, three degrees of Virgo. So Mercury is ruling this chart. And Mercury is really well dignified. He's here in the 10th house. Um, and mm -hmm. he's uh, in, in Gemini, which he rules. I feel like you can see that, Gemini, that Mercury, if you like get yeah. up in the morning. Mm. Yeah. So he's still, he's still in a really powerful position. So that's, there's a lot less confusion now, it seems like, as far as information goes. Sure. Yeah. I mean, he, he's applying to a square to Neptune. So, well, you know, yeah, <laughs> that's, there's still, confusion. that's ongoing, you know, and under a square from Saturn in Pisces as well, you know, so like, um, so there's pressure to uh, get to, to speak authoritatively, whether or not you have good information, there's pressure to sound like you know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. this yeah. is you know this mercury is right in the area where uh mars spent that whole retrograde period and so you know like i'm i don't know that i trust this mercury in gemini as much as i would like to you know i probably wouldn't use this for uh talismanic purposes for example because it's got that mm -hmm. overcoming square from saturn and um it's just you know i've been like thinking with uh talismanic mercury stuff and it's just like rough for a long time you know now we've got every mercury in virgo is going to oppose saturn in virgo as well as opposing neptune or saturn in pisces rather as well as opposing to uh neptune in pisces and i've been sort of wary of mercury in virgo in virgo opposite to neptune in pisces for some time now but then yeah. you add saturn to that and it's like this mercury is like not our well, best navigator well for for the way i do astrological um magic as taught to me by chris warnock is if there's a if, it, if a square is separating then sure. it's like the that is moving away from you so for me mm -hmm. i would this does not look bad for a uh, a mercury talisman because he's moving away they're both moving away from each other the the they're, it's, they're mutually separating because Saturn is retrograde now. So they're both moving away from each other. So in a way, he's moving away from that confusion of, of, of Saturn. But Saturn is on the descendant, and mm -hmm. that I don't like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Well, so yeah, as soon as you uh, make your Mercury angular, then that Saturn's going to be angular as well. And right. so that's going to be a problem. You're, you're, you're not going to get around that problem if you're doing... Um, you know, astro magic that now that, you know, that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it, do live your life, do your own thing. You know, yeah. um, I, I probably won't do any mercury yeah. talismans. I probably won't do any like stone engravings in this, in this time. I might do some petitions or something like that, but, mm -hmm. uh, probably less in the way of, um, strong permanent stuff here, but yeah, you know, like moving into, uh, cancer season here and seeing this strong mercury, you know, it uh, and seeing as well um that there's 
the stuff in Leo is making a lovely sextile to that Mercury, you know, that um, again, this looks loud. It looks proud. It looks like it wants to uh, say its piece really strongly and powerfully. Mm -hmm. And so if you have something, if you have something that you think is like worthwhile to say, if you've got a hot take that is, um, is needed or um, necessary in some way, then that's a, this is real good skies for that for sure. You know, it's like a little bit like, don't let a crisis go to waste. Like if you, if um, weird internet information is where we live, then it doesn't mean you can't participate in that. You know what I mean? Spin your narrative, do your thing. There's great magic to be had in that space. Sweet. That's that's good advice. Yeah. yeah. And so just to look at the sky right now, so we have Jupiter here has moved into Taurus at this point. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of a big thing. Yeah, sure, sure. Jupiter into Taurus is a big deal this year. Yeah. It's one of our bigger deals. What's the deal? (laughs) Sure. Yeah, well, so as we see Jupiter moving into Taurus, then... um, couple of things are going to take place here first is we're going to see jupiter with the north node so jupiter with the north node is going to want to confirm the things that the north node has been doing so we've been seeing north node in taurus we've been seeing things moving toward the taurus direction jupiter is going to want to say yes to that jupiter is going to want to confirm those things make them bigger stronger um you know more resilient and this kind of thing um you know, I, I like this Jupiter in Taurus. I think that it's going to be a pretty, you know, it's nice to see Jupiter in a benefic sign. And um, and Jupiter in Taurus here is ruled by Venus. And Venus is in Leo at this point. And Venus is going to spend a long time in Leo because we've got a Venus retrograde here in Leo as well this year. And so um, that is going to be a pretty big, and it's lovely to see Jupiter in an overcoming square to to anyone really like that really wants to sort of improve that dynamic and so to see that going on there um you know i i like to see that jupiter in that space i feel like that wants to be creative and um you know i've been talking about uh saturn in aquarius square to uranus and taurus i've been describing that a lot as necessity as is the mother of invention right and so if we think about Uranus and Taurus as being sort of mad scientisty and sort of like wanting to like being sort of committed to a vision, but not sure how it's going to take place. And so we're going to try all the stuff I'm thinking outside the box and I know that it's true and I know that it's going to work, but maybe, and like, sometimes you like blow up a test tube or something like this. And that's part of the, the process. That's part of how you get to the place. Um, And so to see this Jupiter here makes me feel like, there's a little bit of wind in those sails. It's like, you might get a little bit of success. You might get a little taste of something that might be like, oh, this is, this is what I've been trying for this whole time. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, but so also um, looking at how Jupiter is affirming and mm-hmm. uh, enhancing uh, the activities of Uranus and the North Node, some of those activities have been uh, inflation, for instance, um, sure. and, <laughs> um, the price of meat. Uh, so w- would you, su- this suggests to you an increase in inflation and the price mm-hmm. of food, or was it more of a moderating beneficial as- uh, influence? That's a good question. That's a good question. To think with that, 
I might start from a place of like, okay, so what, what I am inflation, right? And so there's, there's something here about the value of goods versus the value of currency, right? Mm -hmm. And so currency is by its nature, symbolic, it's a stand in, it doesn't have value in itself, but it allows us to sort of exchange value in a uh, standard issue kind of way, right? That it's a way for us to um, come together in our metric of measuring value. So I think one of the important things about Uranus and Taurus has been uh, the thingness of things. I've said that a few times in this show, and it's like, you know, uh, coming into a relationship with the value of the actual thing. Is it, you know, which thing is worth more? Is it $40 or a blanket? You know, mm -hmm. like which of those things is actually worth more? And that's going to depend. It's going to depend on, you know, how many blankets you have, for example, and this kind of thing, right? And so if we're thinking about the price of meat or something like this, like um, if it's something that you have to have, like you can't eat coins, right? Mm -hmm. And so as such, the coins are declining in value while the meat is increasing in value right and so so that's like what inflation is broadly right and so to see jupiter moving into this area and then not for nothing venus is moving into a retrograde during this time as well right and venus being associated with value and pleasure and this kind of thing and also square to that uranus and taurus and so there's an, a reevaluation that wants to take place here. There's a revisitation of how we understand concepts like worth. And, um, you know, I, I continuously encourage people to, you know, one of the things that um, Uranus and Taurus is really good at is uh, coming closer to genuine authenticity. Gen uh, generally, Uranus will try to break you out of systems that are uh, that that are sort of like holding you back from your genuine, authentic truth, it'll try to liberate you toward that kind of thing. And so, um, coming into an understanding of what your genuine and authentic sense of value is and worth, and this kind of thing, like how do we actually measure value and worth in the world? And um, what does it mean to be valuable? Like, um, you know, looking at Venus and Leo here and the sun is going to like th throughout that um, Venus retrograde and Leo, the sun is going to be there for a lot of that as well. And so then as we think with that, like, like, how do I generate my own value in this world? Does it what does it mean to like a lot of self-help? literature is like i am valuable by virtue of being a person in the world or by virtue of being me and then there's to me this looks like it wants to deeply interrogate that and be like okay so what does it so if i'm valuable just by being me how does that work what does that mean are all people valuable this way and if so what does that mean how does this work together all of this together you know um and Personally, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure how that works here. And I think that this will be a really good time to lean into those questions. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So the, the, we're seeing the good aspects of inflation <laughs> in a way. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, and 
so I always caution against good and bad when it comes to astrology. Like we've got words like benefic and malefic and those things okay. sort of like want us to, to think that uh, Jupiter is good and Saturn is bad. Um, and I always come back to like there, there are plenty of times when it was comfortable to sit and chill on the couch, but uh, maybe that it ends up being a bad thing because you didn't do your work. And, and so, you know, it's the, it's the grasshopper versus the ant in that uh, regard and this kind of thing. Right. So what is good and what is bad? Is it, is it good? Like, obviously it's good to be able to cheaply acquire food and other resources. Right. Yeah. I was just um, thinking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then in doing that, then, you know, like, is that, is that good for the people who manufacture those goods? Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm glad you brought that up because I just kept thinking about like the the cost of a chicken. Like I know chicken farmers, I know meat farmers, and they have to charge $35 for a whole chicken or $45 for a whole chicken, but you can go get a $9 rotisserie like made chicken at mm -hmm. Walmart. And it's impossible for these farmers to imagine how it's possible for the chickens to be so cheap and so it's mm -hmm. like not you know beneficial to the farmer that there's these nine dollar chicken available on the market but it is beneficial to people who don't have a ton of money to be able to access food that cheap but it's like maybe during this time we'll see like some you know resolution of like the value of products or of food or you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. things might and that be looks yeah, totally. And that looks to be uncomfortable to the consumer who is used to the $9 chicken. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Makes well, sense. Also, there's something I wanted to state because it was bugging me about looking at, at Mercury as a talisman. And I know that this is going backwards here. But what you could do by the time we actually get Mercury conjunct the MC, um, Saturn would be in the sixth house and he would not be conjunct the uh descendant anymore i think you actually could get a, a decent election with this because that uh saturn would then be cadent and um what we have to see about the moon like the moon looks like it might be slow in this one uh and not very much light but as far as mercury technically goes uh if you're using like renaissance rules you could probably get a decent election uh just like a, a technical thing just i was thinking about that i wanted to uh, sure. Yeah. Follow your heart. There's a lot of different electional rules about stuff, you know, and like which house system are you going to use uh -huh. and all this kind of stuff, you know, like, mm -hmm. and I will never tell someone to not do a thing at a certain time, you know, um, worst case scenario, you do it and uh, shit goes sideways and you're like, and, and you learn from that, you know, worst case scenario, you get good information and you can contribute that to the, uh, the wider network of astro mages who are interested in this sort of shit. Like, did it go well for you? One time yeah. I did a, uh, sun talisman during Mars hour, which is not what you're supposed to do. Um, mm -hmm. you're supposed to do sun talisman during sun hour, but, um, I had, uh, but the, the sun was like in Aries on the midheaven. And so I was like, okay, well, if it's in Aries with Mars and, or like not with Mars, but ruled by Mars and all this, yeah. like, I think I can make this work. And that talisman worked really well. It worked like, oh. I'm, I'm really proud of the way that that has, that turned out. Right. So I broke an electional rule and made a talisman that improved my life. So, mm -hmm. um, you can always do that kind of experiment and this kind of thing. 
and just see what happens, you know? And if you have to destroy a talisman that's not working for you, is that also an option? Totally. Okay. Yeah, just make sure that the, the image is no longer visible. So you can like, you can scratch up the image, you can break the stone or whatever, like do whatever you need to do. Cool. Yeah. You, and you would want to do that if you have like a malevolent talisman if it's causing you some major problems. Yeah. But just as far as like, you know, Picatrix rules, you could definitely do an election with this because the, yeah, the Saturn would be down there in, in, in the sixth house by quadrant houses. But yeah, I, th I think also like whatever system you work with um, is how, is like what works for you too. You know what I mean? Like if you use whole, whole sign houses, then this wouldn't necessarily be a good election. But if you're using quadrant houses, if that's what you do, then this could be a good election. So I, I think sure. there is the, the, the world, the world, the universe is not as objective <laughs> as we like to think. Mm -hmm. uh, so I guess we should keep it moving. Uh, is there anything else you would like to say about Venus in Leo um, or any other? Sure. Yeah, well, yeah. Venus is going to be in Leo for a long time. And so right. Venus in Leo, I think, is going to be um, this is another one of our sort of major things that's going to be taking place this year uh -huh. is uh, looking at this Venus retrograde in Leo for a long period of time. So the last Venus retrograde we had was in Capricorn. Um, and then we had one before that that was in Gemini. Um, and both of those were sort of tied into these other retrogrades. You know, like we had had, um, we, we've got this Mars, Mars retrograde in Gemini right now. We've got a Mercury retrograde in Capricorn that's happening here, uh, you know, like at, at this moment that we're currently in in time. Um, and so to see this uh, Venus retrograde in Leo here um, definitely like sort of makes me reflect on Venus retrograde things. Um, you know, the Zamboni Funk Enterprise really sort of took off during the Venus retrograde in Gemini in uh 2020 and so there's something there that was during like strong racialized protests in uh this area of the world and so um and venus retrograde often hat brings that sort of thing up to the surface um we get uh sort of women's rights stuff shows up racial stuff will show up um this kind of thing and so there's um that i think that that's really interesting but then also thinking with Leo, right? And thinking with the sun is going to be there for a lot of that as well. And, you know, um, I'm thinking here about the way that power is structured and the way that authority is structured. And so we're moving away from a Saturn moment here, right? We've had Saturn in super Saturn time for a long time now, but then coming into this time and i think the sun is gonna like having this venus retrograde i think it's gonna be strong for the sun um you know yeah looking with at that i wonder about like a kind of fame or figurehead yeah. authority that might get really inflated and strong during that time um <clears throat> if you've got strong leo placements or if you've got uh angular leo stuff or this kind of thing then i think that that might be a good time to like there might be really like strong wind in the sails of that leo stuff during that time um but i think that it's like there's there's the um 
there's the potential for it to get out of hand. There's potential for it to be too much. Yeah. And so this is, uh, you know, end of July and through August. I'm mm-hmm. talking about mm-hmm. when the sun is in, in Leo. And uh, you're, you're talking about some herbs for that, maybe? Um, so for a lot of sun? Yeah. Well, yeah. So we have the, all, on one side, we have the potential to, to harvest this uh, massive amount of solar energy, this vitality mm-hmm. that we might need like in the winter or something. Mm-hmm. But they're also, on the other hand, going to have mm-hmm. a very strong, harsh sun. So yeah, what would you, what would you suggest for like herbal uh, remedials? Yeah, I guess if the sun's really hot, then you're going to want to do the cooling herbs and mucilaginous herbs, like the marshmallow root and aloe vera, and to avoid the sun at certain, you know, times of the day and to seek shade mm-hmm. and, and, and cool um, states to not overheat, to not be prone to sunburn or to heat stroke or something like this. Um, and then the solar herbs like your St. John's wort, you know, and uh, calendula. What else, Simboni? Sure. Well, when I'm thinking about the sun here, one of the one of the most important things about the sun. There are two kind of most important things about the sun. The first is that it's bright, right? The sun is yeah. super bright. There's a lot of light here, and so if we're thinking mm-hmm. about light, then that is life giving, right? Mm-hmm. We can think about the way that light and heat drives all of the life on this planet. We can think about photosynthesis and and it's gotta be at the right temperature and whatever, whatever, right? So there's a lot of life-giving properties when it comes to the sun and vitality and this kind of thing. Um, if you like harvest the St. John's wort, then you get like this red stuff all over your hands and you, it's like super powerful. You can feel the power in that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and St. John's wort will like disrupt your hormonal birth control also Mm -hmm. right and so there's like a there's an overpowering kind of quality there that i think is interesting and worth thinking with the other um really important thing about the sun i think is its rhythmic capacity so the, the sun is strongly like it generates the singular uh the sort of most important singular unit of time which is the day right we've got daytime which is signified by the sun coming up it gets light outside then nighttime it gets dark outside because the sun went down and then we get another daytime because the sun came back up that's the like most basic unit of time that anyone without any knowledge of the moon without any knowledge of hours or without a clock or any of this sort of stuff you're gonna notice day and night right yeah and so you know and the the sun is very constant in its motion. It always comes up in the east and does daytime and goes down in the west and does nighttime. And it just does that on a super regular cycle. It never moves backward. We never get a sun retrograde. We, it doesn't really change its speed very much. It's one degree a day is like how the sun moves. There's a constancy. There's a very strict rhythm to that. And so coming back to what you were saying before about like uh, avoiding overheat and stuff like that, which is a, a real issue in deep summertime and this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Sunburn can be an issue and this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? So, um, you know, leaning into the rhythmic capacity of that and thinking also with like, <clears throat> you know, there's a lot of talk about like blue light and blue light as being an issue for people and how red light is also important, right? But blue light is 
also comes from the sun, right? So it's not that blue light is a problem. It's that blue light is supposed to happen in the middle of the day. And then so when blue light is happening at times that are not the middle of the day, then that can disrupt the rhythm. And so it's so if we're really trying to lean into the strong sun medicine, then there's something about leaning into that rhythmic, the, the, the diurnal rhythm that I think is really important, like um, being awake and, and noticing the sunrise, which is when the red light comes through the sky and being uh, aware of that. And we can think about uh, like the Pharaoh and, and the part of the Pharaoh's job is to greet the sun every day. And like you, if you want to be in your personal sovereign, then you can be the Pharaoh and greet the sun every day. And then as the sun goes down on the other side, then maybe you want to send a salutation at that time as well. Right. And there's more red light to be had there. And there's a, a day that has taken place. And then once it's dark outside, then maybe we need to think about going to bed and this yeah. kind of thing. Right. And so leaning into that kind of rhythm, I think is a really good way to, um, to sort of optimize the benefit of the sun. Yeah, and maybe we set up that rhythm, you know, in January, February, March, while we were still on the like Saturn wave. There you go. <laughs> so there you go. Can, now like, yeah. So then we can actually like, you know, get all of the benefits from the sun and not the um, problematic aspects of having a rhythm where you're watching, you know, a blue screen until midnight every day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. And I would think that Venus retrograde will probably want to add some disruption to things, right? Because Venus's job is to harmonize and cooperate and Venus retrograde will turn Venus significations on its head, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, there might be a temptation to over sun at this time. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we get to the uh, Libra ingress? Sure, let's do it. Okay, so this is uh, uh, September 23rd, 2.50 a.m. at Washington, D.C. This is, uh, the sun here is going into, into Libra. Mm-hmm. Leo rising, so the sun is ruling this, this chart. We've got Venus right there. In Leo, as we were just talking about, she's in the first house. That's nice mm-hmm. for the people of the U.S. I have a quick newbie question. Does Venus do well in Leo in general? I like Venus and Leo. Venus and Leo is one of... Uh, people will tell you that they have Venus and Leo. Oh, like, yeah. people who okay. know that they have <laughs> Venus and Leo, they want to publicize it. Oh, like, I like that. Okay. <laughs> I, that's one of the ones that, like, you hear that you hear about Venus and Leo way more than you hear about Venus and Taurus or Venus and Libra or something like that. Yeah. Like, which is where Venus rules the signs, right? Gotcha. But, like, Venus yeah. and Leo, people will talk about that one. So <laughs> it's flashy. It's glamorous. It's fun. It really loves itself. Um, I also really like Venus and Leo along with the sun in Libra. I think that that is a really nice combination. Mutual mutual reception there. Yeah, with mutual reception with a sextile, you know what I mean? Like they they really cooperate well together. The sun doesn't necessarily like being in Libra. That's the sign of its fall or its detriment or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Or not detriment, but fall. Um, And and so it's like 
you know, it's not it's not super comfortable there in Libra. We can think about Libra as uh, being the scales and sort of like wanting to ask and see how other people are feeling and this kind of thing. Whereas the sun really does best when it sort of stands in its own power and is like, here's what's up. I'm the leader. We're going to do it. Right. And so the sun and Libra can like sort of like uh, not be a strong with the sun kind of thing. But to see that mutual reception with uh, Venus and Leo and that sextile, it seems really cooperative. It, it's, it feels really team building. Yeah. But yeah, technically, uh, Venus is what peregrine in Leo, right? I mean, I'm sure she has sure. some other dignities. I don't know. I forget what like the uh, okay. what, what the terms are here. And, yeah, and peregrine just means zero, right? It means not good, not bad. Uh huh. You know, so like not, you make it. And what else of. is going mm-hmm. on in your chart? Yeah. Totally. Okay. Thanks. Uh, it seems just looking at this chart. Um, everything's a little bit more spread out than it has been in mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. past few charts that we've seen. Things are just sort of all across the board here. Yeah, very true. Um, so I guess for this this chart, I guess there's not really that much more to say as far as you know. You know, we've got uh, Jupiter in the tenth house uh, going retrograde mm-hmm. now. He's going to go back through Taurus. Um, going to stay in Taurus, though. Not yeah. going to move back into Aries. Just going to hang out in Taurus for the rest of his time in Taurus. But the North Node has moved into Aries at this point. Right. So we've got... Yeah, which is important because that means that we're coming up on... <clears throat> we're going to do a full moon in Aries in about a week from this day. And yeah. uh, that full moon in Aries is going to be a, an eclipse. It'd probably be like a weak one that it won't be able to see it too strongly, but so it'll so be there. Weeks, it's like two weeks uh, and some change later, Oct- uh, October 14th, right here. Um, oh, sure. Got, yeah. So this is the new moon. This is the new moon in Libra. This is the new moon in Libra. This is the, uh, oh yeah, we were talking about the lunar eclipse. So this is the solar eclipse hmm. in, uh, in Libra uh, for, uh, yeah. So I, didn't, I don't have that other start of the lunar eclipse but here's yeah so here's a solar eclipse um in, in this chart we have mm-hmm. Capricorn rising um and i need to turn on i'm just using the astro.com <laughs> right now i don't have like a, a excellent program yet um but so i don't have the soul the, i use astro.com okay so we don't have the, the south node the south node is here um conjunct it's actually pretty close to, to this mm-hmm. So it's at 24 degrees about. Yeah, so we're thick in Libra. Like Libra, South Node stuff is where we're doing that story now, right? Mm -hmm. So whereas before we were like in the middle and like is there maybe there's it's going to be cuspy and time isn't real and whatever. But like Mm -hmm. this one is like, all right, Libra, South Node, we are doing that story now, right? And so if we're thinking about uh, the south node in Libra, then we're going to be thinking about moving away from releasing, purging south node stuff, right? Libra. And so uh, with Libra, we can think about balance. We can think about harmony or cooperation. We can think about our Venus things. It's worth taking a look here and noticing that the ruler of this new moon is Venus in Virgo, right? Venus in Virgo. Whenever I talk about Venus in Virgo, I love to talk about Beyonce, partially just because I love to talk about Beyonce. But uh, she's got this song, Pretty Hurts, 
um, that I think really speaks to uh, Venus and Virgo. The it goes pretty hurts. Uh, shine your light on whatever's worst, right? It's a song mm-hmm. about uh, like eating disorders in modeling and this kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. So like this mm-hmm. idea of like looking in the mirror and seeing and being like anyone would look at Venus and Virgo and see how very well put together she is, how very symmetrical, how like how much effort has gone into the whole thing. But Venus and Virgo will look in the mirror and be like, oh, there's the flaws and there's the flaws and there's the flaws that other people wouldn't even necessarily notice. Venus and Virgo has that Hawkeye, right? Yeah. And, and so she's so, like, oh. She's yes in virgo yeah and that's mm-hmm. the flaw that's the, the the fall is the finding all the flaws and focusing on those flaws mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and and we can see that this venus in virgo is also uh opposite to saturn in pisces right? oh yeah so that's going to be like extra venus in virgo stuff that's going to be extra hard on itself and this kind of thing right yeah. and so uh-huh. say again well, also, I mean, so yeah, so Venus is ruling this. She's not having a great time, uh, but also the sun is not having a great time either. So Libra, he's also sure. in his fall, and he's conjunct the south node. So that mm-hmm. is a, to- a reduction of the vitality of the sun. The sun's mm-hmm. vitality is is at an all-time low right now because he's in his mm-hmm. fall and he's conjunct the south node, which just like removes all the vitality. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a difficult place for the sun and for Venus. Sure. All, yeah, yeah. Not I would to think that an eclipse. So an eclipse also removes. Seems <laughs> like totally without vitality here. Mm. Yeah, you might find stuff like the paralysis of analysis and this sort of stuff, like a, a difficulty in moving forward, uh, because you know uh, that it it feels kind of pessimistic. It'll never work. Um, this is I'm I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't done enough homework first or whatever. The imposter syndrome, this kind of thing, might show up here and be like, uh, like, oh, uh, like I don't, I don't really, uh, you know, like there's uh-huh. that's the kind of feeling here, um, yeah. and that's kind of like pushing this narrative forward. So Libra, Libra is sort of uncomfortable in this moment, right? And Libra is going to be uncomfortable for about a year or, or whatever, you know, throughout this whole eclipse cycle. We can think about how later Venus is going to move into Libra. And we love to see Venus in Libra, right? That's Venus at home, able to do the Venus things, Venus Lee. Mm-hmm. And so we might, uh, we, we love to see that. But then Venus with the South Node as a point of decrease, as a point that's sort of like, it's like a drain, right? It's the, it, it'll take whatever's going and it'll just kind of like suck it down. And so um, yeah. it's a little bit like if you, um, they say in Chinese medical circles, they say that you should close the lid to the toilet because if you don't, then mm-hmm. it'll just kind of like all the, all the energy will flow down. And so the South Node is a little like that, right? And so that's going to be hard on the Venus stuff, on the Libra stuff um, throughout this time period. And this, this lunation definitely speaks to that. Mm. Yeah, and, and just as, in terms of mundane things, uh, with this chart set to... Um, Washington, D.C., the sun is going to represent the executive of the country. So this is the president. And uh, whoever the president is at this point, which might be Biden, might might not, um, <laughs> we'll see. Whoever it is is going to have a pretty terrible time at, for this, this fall quarter, seems to me. Like no power. Yeah, there's like no power to the sun at all. Yeah, this heads is- of state or not. Uh, moving into a time period that looks good for them. Yeah. 
and it's in the ninth house, which I get what well, in terms of Placidus whole sign, obviously that's 10th house. So that's a little better, but uh, yeah, that's, that's going to be interesting to see how that, how that goes down. Um, I wouldn't want to be president <laughs> probably ever, but right, ever. Not, never, never not in this quarter. <laughs> uh, but we also have like the, the, Mars in Scorpio, so he's got a lot of power here, and he's just just entered Scorpio, and he's conjunct the MC. Um, I so, do like this Mars in Scorpio. Yeah, that's a really because powerful. it's no longer having to deal with the the South Node there, and so it doesn't have to deal with that drain. And mm -hmm. I really like Mars in Scorpio just kind of generally. It's got a lot of vitality. It's got a lot of strength. It's got a lot of ability to persevere and um overcome things just by virtue of just continuing just keep on doing your goddamn thing we can see mm -hmm. that this mars uh at one degree of scorpio is making a lovely trine to saturn and pisces um and i love to see mars and saturn working together they do really well when they can work together and um yeah. so that'll be something you know in water signs here we might see something about something creative or something uh, emotive in some kind of way, something here about connection. I think a lot about Saturn as being able to build connection. If we think about like a channel or a tunnel or something like this, you can build some boundaries that then go on to facilitate connection, like the way that a pipe would be. If we're thinking about fixed water, like Mars and Scorpio is going to talk about fixed water, right? And so that, um, I really like this Mars and Scorpio. I think there's a lot of strong potential here and it's not, and importantly, it's not getting messed up by uh, like a square to Saturn as it has been for a few years and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, so with Venus and the sun, not feeling so hot, you would probably focus more on the Mars activities the, and the creative side, side of Mars. Um, the community side of Mars. Getting stuff mm -hmm. done side of Mars. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, so if you're, if you're struggling with executive function in yeah. this moment because the sun isn't in good position, but you've got Mars trying to Saturn, then this might be a little bit like leaning into your regular praxis mm. and uh, on the understanding that you don't because we've you know this is mercury combust again right and yeah. so we still don't know what's going on still don't know what's true still don't know what's real and but we do know that the regular routine is real every day i do this shit. every day i get up and do my uh morning walk like you were talking about before or yeah. whatever it is right and mm -hmm. finding that kind of lived reality that's a, a sort of like coming into the thingness of things again right like where do i actually live at like yeah. stop thinking about so much abstract stuff and like is the is the the war happening the way that it they say that it you know like they're reporting this and they're reporting that and like i'm really confused and like is are despotic leaders and uh, oh and this one's the bad guy no that one's the bad guy and like there's there's so much confusion and like misunderstanding to be had there but your dog has to go outside mm -hmm. start there yeah you know what i mean like this is uh, like the one foot in front of the other day-to-day -day mm -hmm. perseverance um yeah just getting yeah somebody in a in a room that i was in um was looking at all this and asked the cards about it and the cards were like you mind your knitting 
right? Okay. All right. And so do the thing like nothing, nothing is going to be more important than getting good at making those socks do that. Love it. <laughs> cool. Yeah. That's, that's some good advice now, you know, it goes, makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. It goes into that, like the um, serenity prayer again, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. what you have control over, focus on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, that's the last quarter. Uh, is there anything else that we missed that we want to talk about before we wrap this uh, up? Yeah, the only other thing that I wanted to make mention of is that um, in this time period, we're going to start to see Mercury retrogrades in Earth signs. So that's going to begin like kind of now-ish in about a week from where we are and where we actually are in time right now. It's currently December of 2022. In about a week's time, we're going to see Mercury retrograding Capricorn. And this is a departure from we've had Mercury retrogrades in air signs for a while now, for about two years, we've had that. And that, so when I did my um, toward a relational metaphysics in the era of air talk, then I talked a lot about Mercury retrogrades in air signs and that being an opportunity to lean into uh, ways of uh, knowing things in air and gen- uh, organizing information and this sort of stuff. And so as Mercury moves into earth signs or mercury retrogrades move into earth signs then this is going to give us some new ways to think epistemologically right so this word epistemology means ways of knowing things ways of generating information and um, understanding right and so we've had for a long time we've been thinking with um you know the the industrial scientific model of reality right and that has given us a lot of um, deep and important understandings about the workings of things that has been, uh, you know, it's, it's been really important. It, we've gotten a lot of information from that. But at some point, then uh, the mother culture took that as the only reality, right? Right. And where I think, you know, we're moving into an epistemological shift here. And so we're moving from air to earth signs. For Mercury. Right. For Mercury. Right. Exactly. And so what does it mean to think with epistemology, to think with ways of knowing, to think with ways of generating understanding that then come from Earth signs, from an Earth dynamic, from something physical? And so I've been Mm -hmm. thinking a lot about the way that bodies take shape, take form and finding information in that. You know, I've been thinking about like, um, so if you see, if you like are out in the woods and you see an area and there's like a gang of poison ivy everywhere and there's all these thorns and all this sort of stuff, like a bunch of that sort of stuff, then you could go through that area, but it's gonna be so hard for you, for you. Like maybe you don't have to do that, right? Maybe the way that the plants have formed themselves are trying to put up a fence or a keep out sign, right? We, mm-hmm. we don't want to see a bunch of hikers through this area right now. So like yeah. stay on the other side there, right? And we can, we can see that from the way that their bodies are shaped. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's something really important here about body language that uh, we're likely to want okay. to lean into. We can think about, um, you know, I, I come from a Chinese medical background, so we can look at like 
tongues and the way that your tongue is shaped and the color of it and this kind of thing. We can think about the way that a person smells and um, you know, the, the information that you can get about a person from that or um, any of these kinds of things. Like we're moving into a time of really questioning, right? Because we're looking at Mercury retrograde. So we're looking at review, revisitation, et cetera, et cetera, the rewords again, right? Yeah. So we're looking at a re-examination of bodily intelligence mm -hmm. in a way that I think is really, really likely to be useful throughout this time. It's a little bit in the way that, um, you know, we're doing apocalypse stuff and it happens that in this moment we have more esoteric knowledge available than has ever been available in human history. Like there's, yeah. there's a little bit like the, um, the antidote is in the poison here, yeah. right? If internet is part of the poison, then okay, well, also the internet is giving us access to all this esoteric resource, right? Mm -hmm. And so if we're looking at ways of understanding bodies and things of this nature, then I wonder if there might be some information here about uh, bodily intelligence and learning to listen to one's body and um, techniques around that, that might be useful in generating an understanding of what is true and what is really real in a moment that is so deeply confusing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that sounds great. <laughs> that sounds great to like, after a period of time where, you know, we have depended on the internet so much, we have had so much influx of like, this airy, this knowledge of from every direction that's a little volatile, like uh, to, I feel like a, a whole theme of this whole conversation for, you know, this year ahead has been like coming back to your own. And now with this Mercury retrograde, these Mercury retrogrades being in earth signs, like coming back to your own body mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. um, not depending on like outside influence to figure out like where you're at and where you want to be. Um, that sounds good. Yeah, but also thinking yeah. with outside influence, but thinking of thinking with that in a bodily kind of way, you know, I've been thinking about like, so I love this word conversation, right? Mm -hmm. So the word conversation means dialogue. It means that it's the thing that we're doing here, right? Mm -hmm. I'm talking to y'all, y'all talking to me, right? And so there's words taking place here. But what if conversation wasn't only words? Right. right. Um, we can think That's about. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. We can think about the way that hormones function. Right. Yeah. And uh -huh. or um, the way that mushrooms convey information. They don't use words in the way that we think of words, although we, we might think of the, the pheromones and hormones that they produce as being sort of discrete word like uh, yeah. symbolic mm -hmm. gestures or whatever. Right. Um, but like that notwithstanding that that might get weird if we try to like follow that rabbit hole a little bit but we can be clear that they are conveying information and they're doing it in a bodily kind of way they're using chemicals sure, yeah. hormones pheromones in order to do that we can think about the way that like sex for example is deeply communicative right mm -hmm. there's like bodily fluid stuff that goes yeah. on there and like the contact with it is mm -hmm. part of the conversation and there might not be a lot of like a wordiness that comes through in that moment and yet there's a lot of deep communication that takes place here right yeah. so we already know that this is a real thing 
And so leaning into that and coming to a better understanding of what bodies are and thinking of what bodies are from the space of intelligence, of epistemology, of um, generators of understanding and meaning. Yeah. The the innate wisdom of the body. Yes. And also to me, this like looking at the last few years where everything's gone online. So like classes, courses, uh, workshops, uh, yeah, jobs, uh, conferences. Mm-hmm. Um, we've sort of been distanced from the uh, physical interaction, yeah. which we had mm-hmm. taken for granted to a certain mm-hmm. degree. Yeah. And so now coming back into the 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 physical interactions with people we're like realizing in a new way the importance of the pheromones of the body Mm -hmm. language of just being in the presence of the electrical aura charge of of Mm -hmm. the heart the heart electromagnetic frequency being in each other's uh presence how important that is and looking at at uh mercury in terms of teaching and in terms of conversation um yeah coming back to back to that uh you know in-person classes like you can get anything you want on the internet but how long can you uh watch a a video um course even if you're you know like you've you've turned it to like 1.5 replay speed yeah uh, before you kind of like go crazy Uh, (laughs) you know people people are wanting that that in-person um exchange again and i still um, look great a little bit in those five hour classes with yeah seven song and herb school at the end of the day <laughs> yeah, sure. sitting in the classroom but anyway yeah no it's true people so, are definitely craving that connection yeah and realizing for, again like it's like a you don't know what you've got until it's gone <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah is there anything else that we want to address before we before we wrap up I don't think so. I think that that is a pretty good wrap of what we have been looking at here. I think that like, if we think about the the thing in some, then, um, you know, like we're not at bubble popping time yet. Right. Mm. You know, we're still going to see some inflation of the, well, probably like inflation in the economic space, but like, inflation of figurehead style authority when we're looking at that leo stuff we're likely to you know like uh maybe this is the fall of the west or something like that but like um it's not likely to look like collapse right right now especially at least in 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 the u.s now like i've looked at parts for the u.s i'm not sure what's going on in europe um but as sure. far as I'm con- as far as I'm concerned, I don't I don't see like big bubble popping stuff until end of 2024, 2025. Now mm-hmm. this period of time is more like going over and processing the last few years and uh, moving forward slowly into the bubble popping time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think that even if you look at like something like Ukraine or something like this, right? Like um it it probably really feels like the sky is falling in ukraine and i and we can be real about that and we can honor that right but at the same time we can also see how that conflict is a reprise of shit that we've been seeing since 2008 right yeah and even longer 
than that. Right. Yeah. And longer than that. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. But so if we're like looking at the like proliferation of NATO in the area and this yeah. and whatever, whatever, right. Like that whole conflict that is, this is old news here. And so while it is at a tipping point in that area, we're still looking at large scale review in many ways. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, I, we're we're going somewhere, but oh, yeah. we're going there on a geological time scale. So like, we're you know if we if we think about the the Earth as blinking an eye, it's like half of it's gone halfway down at this point. Yeah. The blink <laughs> that blink, you know what I mean? Because it's been a couple of years for us because we we move much quicker than geology or the stars do. But mm -hmm. um, you know we're it's gonna it's quick on a historical scale but on the day-to-day -day, it's we're still gonna have to like yeah we're, we're gonna be here for a little while longer so so maybe like to sum up with some of the herbs for 2023 <laughs> just to keep bringing it back to the herbs real quick sure um thinking about things that are like digestive and eliminative but then also um restorative like we didn't talk about like reishi or milky oats where yeah. things mm -hmm. that are going to be like building new neural connections in our brain like lion's mane and milky oats or reishi mm -hmm. which is going to be good for so many of our body systems um but things that just help us with the longevity to help like move through and you know keep pushing forward yeah. um process and eliminate uh, the what the problems from mm -hmm. the last few years really process those because i think a lot of people have not processed yeah, that stuff yeah. um mm -hmm. to be ready for the next and in that processing shift. we didn't really talk about like how it affects our emotional heart mm -hmm. you know but mm -hmm. having the you know the processing herbs especially in like the q1 side and then in the summer you know uh with like the solar side like also supporting our heart with like our hawthorn and rose and motherwort yeah that's the other thing like uh sun and leo that's the heart you know that's the heart and the heart and mm -hmm. that very strong heart uh almost maybe too much heart um yeah so the tonifying yeah heart herbs yeah yeah when when thinking with herbs and um and this kind of thing you know like so whenever well there's like holistic health stuff here and yeah. so I definitely, you know, from a behavioral standpoint, I would think about something like earthing, like putting your feet on the earth. Yeah. And, um, you know, like I think a sauna is probably a really good idea for a lot mm -hmm. of folks, uh, you know, sweating. Oh. And, you know, we've talked about elimination before yes. and this kind of thing and uh, and processing. That's a really good mm -hmm. way to, to engage that. Mm -hmm. um, I think also it's probably worth taking note of the plants that are thriving in your area right you know? Very and important. this comes into yeah. that uh, mercury retrograde uh in earth signs thing and the bodily intelligence and this kind of thing right so you put your feet on the earth and then you sort of like let the earth speak to you i think one of the things that's really important about uh mercury in an earth sign or at earth or water the yin signs then um that's going to be mercury like this gets back to what I was saying before about um, the artificial intelligence and all this like uh, communication is both speaking and listening. 
And so with Mercury in the air and fire signs, we get a lot more expressive Mercury stuff. It like wants to say a lot. Whereas in the yin signs, in the earth and the air signs, we get a lot more of this listening kind of quality, this kind of receiving information thing, right? And so if your feet are on the earth and you're paying attention, then which plants are proliferating? Which ones are thriving? You know, like I'm thinking about... <clears throat> There, there are these kinds of plants, uh, like my, my homies, the dandelions, that thrive when they are like in a disrupted ecosystem. So when things have been, have been upturned by industrial agriculture or whatever it is, then there are these organisms, uh, such as the deer ticks also, um, that will come in and they'll thrive in that environment. And so then with that in mind, those folks have lessons for us. They know how to live in this moment. They know how to do well in this moment. And so, and so like you, for example, in our pre-chat, you were like, yeah, the Reishi had a really good year this year, right? And so what does that tell us about this moment in time? Yeah, for sure. And like you were saying, like the poison ivy, you know, being like, maybe we don't need hikers coming through this and yeah, paying mm -hmm. attention to all of those signs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so if from an herbalism tip, you know, there's, there's the one style, which is like, what kind of herbs do I want to eat or drink in my tea or, you know, whatever, like that topical applications, but then also like, how can I be in conversation with plant people in a way that is, um, more beneficial that is more toward the more beautiful world that our hearts know is possible yeah. than where we have been yeah hmm. yeah it's very you you can't give general herbal advice <laughs> to people usually because everyone's got a different situation you know and that's why i think it is important yeah to get in touch with what what is happening to you in your environment at that moment you know at that moment you know yeah mm -hmm. yeah well, thank you so much, Damboni, for all the amazing advice and um, interpretation of the stars and planets. Um, yeah, yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm so glad that yeah. we uh, had the opportunity to look through here and take <clears throat> get some ideas about where we're headed. Yeah, 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 I feel a lot more clear about the whole thing. So I appreciate that. And if folks want to learn more about you, is ZambonyFunk.com the best place to go? Zambonifong.com. That's where you can find all the stuff. You can find the music there. I don't know that yes, uh, your that. plant cutting people know that I do music seriously. Yeah. I'm a bass player and a singer. I've got a song out called Can't Help Myself. I got some uh, merch in that area as well. We got hoodies, we got mugs and whatever. Uh, there should be some next music coming out. It's going to be a breathwork exercise that goes with the music. And so I made the music good enough that you could just listen to it as music. But there's also a breathwork component to it. I think that breathwork is a really good way for us to uh, get into a space of groundedness in our bodies and this kind of thing. I think that's uh, going to be a useful tool. So you'll be able to find all that. Uh, you'll be able to find the music. You'll be able to find the podcast where we uh, ran through how to do questions with Gordon and all of yeah. the rest of that. You'll find that there. You will be able to find uh, my Patreon where I do an electional report where uh, you can get an idea for... Uh, if you want to launch a product or if you want to send that first text to somebody you think is cute or whatever it is, then there's an electional report for you there as well as times to wait. So if there 
uh, there are difficult times out here, then sometimes your best move is to just let your opponents trip over shit and then mm -hmm. uh, maximize that opportunity later rather than tripping yourself. So that um, is all available. You'll be able to find all that at ZambonyFunk.com. I also do readings if you want to get an astrology reading. Um, I do video readings. So there's a 10 minute joint where if you, um, you, if you like my weeklies, which are available on Instagram and YouTube, if you like what I do there and you don't have over $100 to do a, like a, a full hour dialogue reading, then I'll do a 10 minute video for you. Um, et cetera, et cetera. There's probably a bunch of shit that I didn't even mention because the, there, there's so much to it, but you'll be able to find all of it at zambonifunk.com. Awesome. Thank you very much. And thank you for your work. I definitely have benefited greatly from all of the things you do. <laughs> so, so glad to hear that. So glad. Yeah. Well, right, thank y'all for having me. Journey. Yeah. Happy 2023. Happy 2023.